to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is seven, and we've had some technical difficulties, so we've actually lopped off the first minute and a half of the recording. You're welcome. It pretty much just avoided the usual beginning cantankerous jokes and other related BS. Although, we also lopped off our unpause point, so go ahead and queue up to the distribution logo fading to black as usual, and we'll come back into Brian's awaitingness after the stinger. I think this is a rare case of the sequel being better, because 6 was, it was alright. Yeah, 6 was, it was, it was a little sloppy. Yeah, the f- I was I was looking at this a little while ago. We had to do it, so it's better just to do it now. Get it out of the way. Bruce Willis has been in of the of all the numbers up to twelve. He's been in a movie with the name or a reference <laughs> to that number up to twelve minus like two. Yeah. There's two numbers that he hasn't gotten in a title yet. Twelve monkeys. You've got six cents. You've got the fifth yeah. element. You've got them all. Wow. Huh. Ryan Weber, how do you feel about right. the, this 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 movie here? This is a fantastic GD movie. There, I censored it for. Our, our <laughs> I like the GD. That's okay. Nice. All right. Um, all right. No, but uh, I, this is when yeah, I was. We started off our squeaky clean commentaries with. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because well, yeah, the commentary wasn't explicit. Exactly. Right. People who are going to be watching Seven are going to be really upset by harsh language. <laughs> Ryan. No. Um. But uh, so I didn't see this in theaters when it came out. Um, I actually I. caught it on uh, on DVD uh, sometime after, as sort of I was aware of it as being this movie that was talked about, and then finally I got around to seeing it. I'm like, holy f. That was really, really good. <laughs> and uh, and, and sure it was exactly me. what you said. Yeah, at, at the, totally at the F. And maybe I saw the, the network version where it was like, oh, fudge this and fruit that, you know. <laughs> yippee ki so, melon farmer. Yeah, exactly. So, no, it's an absolutely fantastic movie. And every time I see it, I, much like Brian, appreciate more and more about it. Um, just... In every regard, but we'll talk about that as the movie goes. And Trey Stokes. I didn't see it in the theater either, as I uh, don't recall. In fact, my, my memory of first seeing it was being somewhere out of town on a, on a business trip and, and, having, and having it be my selection on the, the movie pay channel. Mm-hmm. Because the hotel and the movie you chose to watch was seven? Yeah, exactly. You had all that porn right at your disposal? <laughs> <laughs> because well, because it was you know going to be expense back to the client, so you oh, know. right. So show yeah. them seven. I'm, yeah. I'm Although I think they disguise those things on the bill, Afro you know. Wars. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Astroglide Seven. You know, I, I opted not to. I, I thought I was renting Astroglide Seven. Was the problem? Oh and wow! Whoops! Oh, turned, out be, turned out to be regular this Seven. Doesn't look anything like Cool Runnings. <laughs> yes, I don't understand. So as and, and that's I think that's the first time I saw it. So it, it was sort of like well Seven. Let's check that out. And then you know ended up staying. It was one of those things. Is like I'll watch this because it's on someone else dime until I fall asleep and then at four in the morning I'm like I'm going to be so late for that meeting tomorrow morning because <laughs> um, I was I was fascinated by it and, and and it is a fascinating movie because it's unconventional in so many ways and, and the, the, unlike and again this is a topic that comes up unlike other Hollywood mainstream movies which mm-hmm. you know New Line more or less is or was um, but we'll get into that as we go but um, it's a movie that that the first first time I saw it I was like I don't quite know what to make of that thing, but in, right. in, in, in future viewings, I've really come to appreciate it. And my first exposure to this movie was in high school. <laughs> my teacher was uh, teaching us, we were learning about Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales and Divine Comedy. Wow. And my Where's teacher said, you guys just read Canterbury Tales. We're going to watch Seven on Friday. <laughs> now, none of that had any meaning to me because I hadn't seen it. Holy. But I realized after the fact, I was like, man, this teacher is awesome. This teacher is really cool That's, because, yeah. I mean, it's we were... You know, sixteen and seventeen year olds, and the high school I went to was very, very loosey goosey. I was, like, was going to say, if they, if they no, have, even if even, seven is part of the course, oh, sir. Way farther than that, they would let us watch seven. Like there would be fourteen year olds, like the freshmen and the, and the people that were looking at the school, walking by and stuff, and just kind of floating into this room, and like we'd be watching seven. And of course, you've got that whole. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucked 
It's like, and here's our perspective. Still okay. We're learning about the Canterbury Tales. There'd be a lawsuit about that in, in many places. And, and the way it oh, panned yeah. out, the way it panned out, there was two classes that were doing Canterbury Tales at the same time. And um, I was one of those people that was walking around, and I caught the tail end of the movie first. I watched the oh, ending of the oh, movie before sad. I saw the movie. And I didn't know anything about Like, it wasn't one of those things where someone had told me, have you seen Seven? No. Don't learn. Don't go to the IMDb. Don't look at the cast list. Yeah. Don't do anything. And by the way, that goes strongly for you as well. I know, we just, I know we just did the miss yeah, a couple weeks yeah, ago, yeah. guys. Yeah. This is another movie. If you haven't seen it, turn this yeah. off, watch it, and come back. Because we are going to talk about it. Yeah. This right. is a movie that even the casting will spoil you, so don't check the IMDb. Just get the, just get the movie. And uh, I guess that sets us Let's all kick up. it off. I believe we're all set up. And if you're set up at home, that's good. Prepare to press play. And if you haven't gotten set up yet, you can always pause this file. Yes. Just, you know, what? Mm. Wait. We have that technology. Da, da, da. Oh, my God. Travel through time here on Down in Front. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Everybody <laughs> always has to cut these things Fingers so on the button. Three, two, one. Unpause. And here we go. Now, I love the title sequence here. This is... Yeah. yeah this is, oh. It's like rut row. Wait a minute. Well, there will be a title sequence. But yeah, well, this, this is not the first that. movie. I mean, well, it's not the first, but you never, why don't this. you ever see this? It's, it's just, so it's, occasional. It seems like one of those things where... It's, well, directors have to fight for it. Directors have to have to convince the studio not to put up all the mandated, directed by, written by. It's it's an actual thing you have to get permission to do. To you not to appeal start. to all the unions? Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's a big deal. Wasn't that a thing for Star Wars? That was that a big, he thing. had to pay a huge fee to not have... He quit the Titles. Lucas quit the DGA just over the right to have directed just by George Lucas. Directed George, no, directed by George Lucas, not appear until the end of the movie. Oh wow! Yeah, so you can get Star Wars. Yeah, so you can get that moment. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess that is kind of a, a seminal moment. Obviously, we're going to get our, our our title sequence to end all title sequences here in a second, or I guess to start to all title sequences is more like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, yeah, it was because it was it was a new sort of like, oh, look at that fancy title sequence, and everyone was doing fancy title sequences, and still is really. Yeah. And and I think it was. Wasn't it done by a company called Imaginary Forces, and it kind of they, they were the ones doing all the fancy I, title, I title sequences I for a decade company. there. I know after. a guy that worked on it though, and uh, incidentally, he also worked on the Passion of the Christ. Wow! So he had the two most screwed oh. up jobs oh. in, in visual effects history. He worked on Seven and the, the Passion of the Christ for Seven, and you added blood to Jesus. Wow! Let's have let's have lunch. I want to hear more. Can you need a hug. <laughs> yeah, I want to give you a hug. Right off the bat, we end up with this one cop who I just, I don't like, not Brad Pitt, hi Brad Pitt, but this one cop who's just like, Morgan Freeman's kind of examining it and we're kind of getting a sense that he's the wide old, he's the sage, like, I've been doing this forever, I'm just going to take it as it comes to me and sort of absorb the details. And he's like, I wonder if the kid saw it. And the other cop's like, who gives a shit if he saw it? He's yeah. dead. The kid's dead. It doesn't matter. Yeah, do your job. And he walks out. It's like such a, the one thing in this movie, and I think it is just the one thing in this movie where I see that and I go, I can't imagine a cop would be that dismissive of someone asking, you know, curious questions about a crime scene, especially like well, about I the think, victims of the crime. Scene. I, well, I think that's the that's what the the reason that scene is in there is to set up what this world is about. Is that you know Morgan Freeman is the one cop on the force apparently who still who hasn't exactly. had his spirit exactly. totally crushed and still cares about victims, you know, as opposed to everyone else who's who's just gotten to the point and where they just they, 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 they just don't think about it anymore because probably because it hurts too much to wonder if the kid saw it. I know? guess we do have that moment later where he's talking about guy was out walking his dog. Got mugged, and then the guy stabbed him in both eyes while he was down. And I guess you do have, you do have several moments where. He's and Arlie Ermey is like, yeah, and, and. Well, he's Arlie Ermey. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Arlie Ermey will stab you in the eyes and go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <and."> exactly. You certainly before breakfast. Now it's funny because this movie came out in 1995. This came out uh, a few months after Usual Suspects, which was the. Aside from 20 roles that Kevin Spacey had prior, the big one where people were like, 
Oh, you can. Oh, you're. Uh, oh, you're Kevin Spacey. We're going to use you as Kevin Spacey yes. now. But uh, 1995. Now, this is. We're recording this in 2009. A year and a half ago, The Dark Knight came out. A year ago, Dark Knight came out. And Morgan Freeman looks the same. <laughs> he does not age. Look at him and driving It's not like Samuel L. Jackson hasn't aged. He's aged kind of. He's still Samuel L. Jackson, but he's aged. Morgan Freeman, honestly, is kind of hard to tell. It's hard yeah. to tell which you one. You could play a game, you, you grab, could, grab a still frame yeah. of him from every movie he's been in and, and try to in place order. them chronologically. Exactly. Like, yeah, could do it. Back yeah. of Entertainment Weekly <laughs> kind of puzzle to have. Yeah. I just saw in Cable recently, it was it was one of his first movies, if not his first movie, and it's a, of course he has a small role, he wasn't the star, uh, the Robert Redford film called Brubaker, in which he plays a prisoner. <laughs> his lot in life, um, Morgan Freeman. And and I was like, oh yeah, Morgan Freeman, this is like one of his first movies. And, and he comes on the scene and it's like, well, his hair is kind of bigger and bushier but otherwise, it's bleeding Morgan Freeman. And that movie is like 1980-something, like like mid-late 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what his secret is. But All right, uh, here, here we, we are. Now we're popping, no, here into, our, uh, we're popping into our subtitles now, our, our, our main <clears throat> titles. And for a long – I mean, the, the notion of doing something kind of fancy with the original titles has gone back forever – I mean, it used to just be title cards, and they would they'd put up all the cast and all the crew real fast, and then you'd go into the movie, and that was that. And it started to become this thing where, and especially after this, we can have like an entire aesthetic. It's basically a, a mood-setting screensaver that says the names on it. <laughs> right. That's basically yeah. all it is. And it's also a use of a, re- a remix of Closer by Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. which started a trend that would continue on un- until now, where... Nine Inch Nails songs from three years ago are cool <laughs> in our movie. <laughs> like uh-huh. the 300 trailer used... Oh, God. Just As You Imagined, which came out on The Fragile. And then Terminator Salvation used a song called, I think, oh, God, The Day the Whole World Went Away. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's like these songs all came out so long ago that movies are just now catching up with the badassery of four years ago. Like if, it, if they tried to release it at the same time, people would have been like, what is this noise? <laughs> but for something like Seven or 300 or Terminator, it's kind of fitting. Mm-hmm. This is just so screwed up. And the, I love, I just love the way they handled the... The titles and the, the it's easy it's to do. It's all jumpy and it's, burned and it kind seems, of. It seems like one of those things that would be hard to screw up. We want to make it look bad. Doing something bad good is a, yeah. is, is, it's a, you have to be an artist to pull it off because people can tell when what you're doing isn't working right. Like that looks like glitches, but it looks like if it, if it isn't going fast enough or it takes too long to do what it's doing. It's, it's, it really seems to be a matter of single frame movements and, and little jiggles and stuff like that. And the blur that comes up for one frame and then it's gone. Stuff streaking out. It's really out. detailed, dirtying yep. up, and it could end up just being really annoying to watch. And they, you know, they walk in that line really closely. But this, and as I as I understand it, it's like it, aficionados of this movie say that if you really go through and single frame it, the movie's practically all explained. It's certainly being set up. All, a lot of things that are details that'll come later well, are, are being flashed on the screen right in front of your eyes right now. That's the thing it, 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 that doesn't make it annoying is that it's sort of engaging because you're really you're you're like it's like you're getting sneak peeks at little clues or something. Yeah, you you're see all the clues of, and then you're trying to yeah. trying to grab them all. Mm-hmm. Now we we said there was an establishing shot just there, the Monday shot. Um, is it is it? Do we? It's never established what city this is. They specifically is that don't say. They specifically it's don't say. Timeless, locationless movie. Yeah. Although clearly that was a shot of the little four block section of downtown LA that has uh, skyscrapers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but it's yeah, it's this weird, and it's also kind of timeless in its way because all the all the vehicles. I mean, it's not like you're seeing Mercedes Benzes, you know, from last from ninety. Yeah, I think they specifically avoid showing like computers. He, I mean, he uses yeah, a typewriter everything. when he's. Yeah. When he's putting together yeah. his reports and stuff. So again, they, they don't they don't say you know it's 1987, it's 1940. We you know they, 
But it has this weird kind of, we're just not going to say and it's, where and, it's and when this is. Really cool that it works out that way, because I think his intention was to make a movie that would last. And here we are almost mm-hmm. 15 years later, and this feels completely looks, And then it really helps it, it hold yeah, up. Yeah. Current, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, uh, you know, if the guy had whipped out, and they do have cell phones in this, don't they? But uh, if, if, so. if, if somebody had whipped out like, you know, oh, look at the size of that cell phone, it would have been immediately, you know, typed it as a certain period of time. It's funny because I would also make an argument for, and though we didn't get to hear it ourselves because we were just, you know, we were just listening to this on subtitles. Morgan um, Freeman does have a little fedora hat going on. Yeah, uh, he's rocking <laughs> yes, that he fedora. Does, he does. The, uh, the, the, the song that's playing in the opening titles is a remix of a Nine Inch Nails song that sounds so specific and weird that it, won't, it really won't get aged either because it, it doesn't sound like the songs that were coming out in 1992 that song came out in. Uh, I think it was off of Broken. I might be wrong. Uh, but it doesn't age because it doesn't sound like the songs of those times. For the same reason, though So Happy Together by the Turtles sounds like an older song, you don't realize until you look at the date, it's like, that came out in like the mid-60s. That is an old yeah. song. Mm-hmm. That is a song from 40 years ago. Imagine me. And, yeah, exactly. Right. And you listen to it and it sounds like, it sounds just like a weird kind of indie song now. It doesn't sound <laughs> dated because it doesn't sound like the, movie, the, 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 the songs of that era. And, uh, you know, you, you mix together a movie that was deliberately made to feel timeless with a song that doesn't sound anything like the music that was coming out at that point, And you end up with this movie that we can enjoy, you know, maybe not forever, but for years to come. It's not like there's going to be some change that makes this entire movie dated. Yes. And if a change enjoy. like that happens, it will make every movie dated. <laughs> That's yeah. true, yeah. Look, they're using flashlights instead of fusion wads. <laughs> So we are headed toward the. This is gluttony coming up, yeah. Coming up on gluttony. Although we don't know, one. we don't have any uh, frame of reference for the uh, the sins angle yet. Although well, I know, it must have shown. I know. We're assuming that. again that we've all seen the movie, and so is everyone listening. So, yeah. Yeah, for frame gluttony. of reference, I wonder what's going to happen next. But uh, and it's funny because there's an issue in terms of the order. When you read the Canterbury Tales, it doesn't go in the order that the sins appear in the movie, and that's an issue that someone might take with it. And it's another example of <laughs> hanging out well, in the problem because he says. Yeah, but in Canterbury Tales, it doesn't go like this. And Morgan Freeman just kind of looks at him and goes, it doesn't matter. As if to say to the audience, it doesn't matter. So the, the, right. there's an there's a attempt to make a connection between the Canterbury Tales and this story? Because I don't see the connection with the Canterbury Tales. I, you know, the Seven Deadly Sins, I get. But yeah. the Canterbury well, Tales, were, I mean, yeah. when, they're, when they're ascending the terraces of whatever, they come in an order. They're, they're, they're walking past all the sinners in order. Oh, the Canterbury Tales has, oh, has, has, has also has a Sunday. But in, I bet Dante's Inferno. Dante's sorry. Inferno. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I was going to go they explore them in both. Yeah. In Morgan Freeman, when he starts doing research on it, when he starts piecing it together, he, at the library, he goes to <laughs> some building with it's. It's like the internet, but it's all in yeah. these like Paper, manuscript yeah, form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's that's like prob- Wikipedia, but like in a brick and mortar. But, but with real actual stuff. Well, yeah, that, yeah. there too is probably a conscious choice to like you know go on the internet and I'll Google it. Would immediately you know yeah. If you watch the Absolutely. movie uh, Frequency with Jim Caviezel and that's David yeah, Drake, Yahoo, Yahoo, it, yeah, it's like wow, it, like like his friend like is the CEO of Yahoo, and it's like. Two years later, and Google comes out, or you know, Google comes ahead of Yahoo. It's been Google ever since, and Yahoo's sort of like, Oops. "Whoops!" Wow, I remember when Yahoo was kind of a huge deal. That was <laughs> yeah. Remember wow, when it was good to, go. to own stock in Yahoo? Do they even exist anymore? All right, so here we go, right off the bat, with our giant, giant fat guy. Yeah, this tells you right out of the gate what kind of movie you're watching. Is there? Yeah. You're going to see some some the difficult, some effed up stuff. I wonder. I wonder. I don't know, Mr. 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 Creature Feature. Yeah. How much of that would be a fat guy, and how much of that would be prosthetics on the fat guy? I, you know, I don't know the details. This was, uh, the 
stuff was done by Rob Bottin, who who should be more well known than he is, because Rob Bottin is a contemporary of Rick Baker and Stan Winston. But but Rob was always a little more of a, he didn't do movies as as regularly as other people did. Um, but he's just as good as as. Uh, Baker and Winston and that crowd, I think. Uh, he did the original, th- not the original, but The Thing, the, the 80s remake of The Thing. And that was what put him on the map. He did uh, Total Recall, and mm-hmm. he did, uh, and I think he was nominated and or won an Oscar for something, um, should have. But he did this one, and, and it's unusual because he doesn't work that much. Um, in fact, I don't know what he's done since this movie, but uh, Botine's, Botine does good stuff. Oh, The Howling was also one of his big there's, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a series of excellent excellent pieces of, of prosthetic and makeup work because he got yeah, this and yeah. later we get Sloth. Yeah, Sloth is obviously oh, yeah. a big it's deal. Like the most horrifying thing you've seen in your life. So I would imagine, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, I'd have to go through and really like analyze this movie to tell you because it, it can be hard when you're doing scenes like this where you're holding, I think that's an actual, I think that's a dummy. I think that because yeah. the guy's holding, yeah, the guy's holding still too long, too well. <laughs> um, it's a case where you just rather than have a guy, he's got a breathing tube going through, yeah, that bowl going spaghetti, through the bowl of chili the or whatever the, the hell the table. Um, you know, maybe, there's only one moment where you know for a fact it's a guy when they lift up his head here in a second, not right now, but, but in that a might second, be the, that might be the cutaway. But but maybe it is. I mean, like I said, I don't know the details of how this was made, but uh, but uh, that's that's always a trade off, and that's that's part of a you know just like well, the visual effects. I, I think to, we can all agree, uh, regardless of exactly how they did it, they were very successful in making all. The, yeah, uh, uh, veins uh, it's graphic. It's just they're really creepy. Well, people people in the creature effects biz, and they they do still exist because sometimes there is there you go there there's a real With the white contacts and everything. Yeah. I love it. Get the eyes right. Um, you know, one of the things because often you're asked to do dead bodies is is you know everyone's got their forensic textbooks on their on their tables or in their in their research libraries, and you want to you want a book that'll just cheer you right up, flip through your basic forensics forensics. Here's what a dead body looks like after three weeks. Book, you know, uh-huh. um, and because it's there. I mean, there are people who actual jobs is to know stuff like that. So there's, you know, pictures of wounds and pictures of, you know, bizarre death and pictures of, you know, corpses and, and autopsies and, you know. And for a creature guy, that's like a catalog. Exactly. Well, it's, it's a how-to. It's a, you know, it's a... <laughs> and often And often you're, you're, you're told to either crank it up or tone it down. You know, sometimes in some cases they, they want you to, you know, okay, this is what a real dead person in this situation would look like. Well, that's way too graphic or not graphic enough for my movie and you have to, uh, you know, tweak it accordingly. Now, David Fincher is known, we just passed a scene where they were in the car with the rain and as far as I know, I know for a fact that in Fight Club, he was talking about a scene similar to that where it's, well, it's Tyler Durden and mm, driving down the road yeah, in a car like that. Yeah, let go of the wheel. And, and uh, it's a rear projection shot. He's shooting rear projection and he's just blasting. He's, he's basically just obscuring the rear, rear projection with, you know, a rain machine. And he gets away with it. It looks, it looks great. And I think he did the same thing here where you can still get away with shit like that. And, and it's way easier to shoot in, in a studio than just going out or doing anything to try to make it work or adding it in a post. No. Projector. Hose. Go. Just, <laughs> yeah. do, your, just do your scene, guys. Yeah, tons so of water just splashing Shake the camera the around a little bit. We'll add some sound. Boom. There's your shot. Yeah. So I guess the question is... Is it always raining whenever David Fincher has a scene in a car? At, in this movie, I think it is. <laughs> in, this, in this scene, yes. Until, until the raining. end of the movie, I don't think but they ever it, drive it, anywhere when it's, it's not raining. It's sunny, they're outside, they get in the car, suddenly it's pouring. It begins exactly. to rain. Exactly. Uh-uh. Which is what makes it not feel like L.A. Because, you know, L.A., it's like we have three rainy days in a year. Here, here in whatever the city this takes place in, it's always raining. Yeah, it's almost like Seattle. In- it is. It's Seattle with a desert right next door yeah. for some reason. Well, that's but that's noir. I mean, it's it's it is, yeah, in it noir really, world. Of course, it's, it's always part of the atmosphere of the town, just making it. You know, there's always sirens going. There's just, and it makes the it makes the streets always wet, and that looks good on film. Yeah, yeah. 
Arlie Ermey. Now, yes. Brian, how do we, how do we know Ermey. this guy? Arlie Ermey. Okay, with well, the... Arlie Ermey has probably the greatest. This is how I became an actor story in the history of acting. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he is famous for being the drill sergeant in the beginning of Full Metal Jacket. What is your problem, Private Pie? And uh, so he was. He actually started on that movie as a consultant because he was himself at one point a Marine drill sergeant. And hard to hired, believe, isn't it? <laughs> because he just does it so well. Yeah. Uh, and he was hired to to show the actor they had hired for that part how to how to do it. And so he's he's showing that guy and Kubrick and everybody, this is how you do it. And Kubrick was like, wow, you're better than the guy. You do it. And ever since, he's been an actor. And he shows up in another movie that we have to do on the show called uh, The Frighteners. Yes. As a drill sergeant. Basically, yeah, he's spoofing yeah, himself. Yeah, if, if you look at his early career, that's... Pretty much all he does. Yeah, they would just it, have him. Yeah. It's, it's cool because if you watch his performance in this movie, it's actually kind of a nice, really good, subtle performance. And he's, it is. Yeah. He delivers lines in a good way. He doesn't just have the on switch yeah. where it's oh, like yeah. all of a sudden I'm Arlie Ermey. He's actually kind of playing a role the way a, a subtler actor would play it. Another guy with a similar background is, of course, Dale Dye, who if you if you've saw, uh-huh. you you know him if you saw him. He's in he, he's another one of those guys. He's a, he's a military consultant because he's an actual, I believe, Marine captain or or higher. <clears throat> and he's the guy who drills, you know, when he actually, yeah, we spent a year, a week in boot camp, you know, he's, he's the guy, you know, he was just like, no, and then, and then often he will end up, oh, Dale, you get in there and you play that role where you have like the five lines where you're the general going, I'm telling you to call an airstrike on my position. He's got more of a Southern kind of Texas, kind of twang to Captain Dale die. But, um, he's, he's also a legitimate, he, he was the consultant on Starship Troopers and he has like a, a one line walk on <laughs> in that one. But, uh, he's another one of those guys who is, is, is the military consultant that someone said, well, dude, you, you're just so authentic. We got to put you in the movie. So. He, Arlie Ermey also shows up as a drill sergeant in Space Above and Beyond. Nice. Anybody is Whoa. curious. Nice. And wow. Amazing uh, Fox Bam. show from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> that I have never seen. It's great because I saw him in, I, I watched Space Above and Beyond when I was a kid, when I was on TV, long before I ever actually got around to watching Full Metal Jacket. So it's like, <laughs> oh, it's the guy from Space Above and Beyond. It's the guy from Above and Beyond. I'm sorry, from, yeah. Meanwhile, in Watchmen. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Watchmen and and Zack Snyder, David Fincher comes from a school of music video directors who made the mm-hmm. leap to film and and in some of them successfully and some of them not so successfully. And in David Fincher's case, he kind of had a little dip before he made this movie. Yeah, he did uh, have a little misstep his, his, his before first, this. His step. first feature was the lauded Alien Three, which is a movie that I, I is has grown on me and is better than I think it gets credit for. But it wasn't what people were expecting. That was its real problem. What was the deal with Alien 3? Well, Alien 3 is, if you've watched the Alien, you're not an alien person. You're not an alien aficionado. Is that true? That's or, correct. Um, you've seen Alien and Aliens? I've seen them all. Okay. I've seen one through four. I've just... Okay. Well, you know, the, the Cameron, of course, put himself on the map uh, big time by doing Aliens, where he invented these characters named Newt and Hicks and Bishop, you know, who survived to the end and you were thrilled. And then, and whether or not it was Fincher's doing but the the script called for the beginning of alien 3 for the the ship that they were trying to get home in at the end of aliens to crash land on a new fucked up planet and uh, and everyone dies except ripley so so you go to see oh i'm going to see a sequel to aliens awesome the first thing they tell you is that the three of the four characters that you you know went through the last movie with just got killed that's it they're dead um, and it starts the movie off on a bit of a downer note. And uh, again, whether that was the script Fincher was handed or if he had anything to do with that choice, I have no idea. Um, and it was also a very troubled production and took forever to, to, to get released and, and wasn't that well received by people who didn't, you know, they were expecting another Aliens when they were going to an Alien sequel and they certainly didn't get that. So it's not that it's a bad movie. It it's, just, it just it, d- didn't get the fair shake, I don't think. What a frightening example of meritocracy failing coincidentally where it's like, imagine being David Fincher right out the gate 
okay, I know for a fact I can make great films. Mm-hmm. And then the first movie that comes out, you're, you're being slapped around by the studio, and there's this weird script that you have to deal with, and the fact that you're screwing with what fans expect out of the movie, and all these things. And it, it wasn't, it was definitely not universally loved. I think it was, wasn't it mostly painful? No, it was not, it was not, not particularly popular, as right I Right out the gate, man. Can you imagine being so excited to get your feature? Here we go. And it's, Aliens. This yeah. is going to be amazing, and then that happens. I mean, but, it's almost great that he got seven, and then was able to, you know, yeah. slide on through his. But what you get, what you get, career. What you can see though is when you see it, you know, when, that being his first movie, who's David Fincher? Who knows? But nobody knows who this guy is. But look at the, you know, six movies he's made since. Aliens three makes perfect sense as a David. Oh, he was making a David Fincher movie, except Aliens maybe wasn't the franchise to make a David mm-hmm. Fincher movie mm-hmm. out of. Oddly enough, because you know. In terms of aesthetic, think, it I, seems like this is Aliens in a precinct. Yeah, it's, well, it is. It's, it's, you know, it's, I think a David Fincher Aliens movie would be great. I don't think Alien 3 is that. Yeah, exactly. It's, some weird, it's, a, weird, it's a hybrid, if you will. Yeah. Um, if, if David Fincher hadn't done that movie and then went to Fox or whatever today and said, I've got an idea for another retake on Aliens, they would go, we love it. Here's too much money. Yeah. Go, do it. <laughs> you know. David <laughs> Fincher started, like we said, with music videos, as, as did a number of other directors, and he seems to be... The exception. Help, help me for saying it, but seriously, <laughs> one of the very, very few who knows a good story when he sees one and then tells it. Michel Gondry has made great, great films, and he's made the movies that when he wants to tell a story, you get The Science of Sleep, yeah. and you get mm-hmm. Be Kind, Rewind, which yeah. are, they're not the masterpieces that Eternal Sunshine is, let's just say that. And you've but got Eternal your, Sunshine you've got, is not his story. That's true. Yeah, that's, the difference. that's what I'm saying. Right, is that right. yeah. You've got Michelle, Michelle Gondry. will give you got, great imagery. Whether or not it'll make any sense kind of depends on what the words on the page Mick were. You've got yeah. You've got Michael Bay. He's Michael Bay. He's my, beautiful. Awesome. Not so much with the story. Beautiful it, fireballs. Now, like, like, I can only think of a few guys that I think came from music videos that ended up having successful storytelling careers. And it's like David Fincher and like Spike Jones. Didn't Spike Jones come from like music videos yeah, and smaller yeah, projects yeah, before yeah, that? Yeah. He still does them. Well, I mean, you know, the, the music yeah. video trend to features, you know, was something that music videos, of course, had their big kickoff in the eighties with the, that thing called MTV. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but it's the thing we used to have as channel. Oh yeah, we're channel show videos. World. We're past that now. And channel used to show music videos. Um, that. You know that sensibility that you know. Let's five thousand cuts a second and, Top and gun, you know, Im- yeah, imagery. You know, then then filtered into the movies and the directors of the videos. You know, oh, he made a great video and let's make it, let's give him a movie, which led to this kind of. I have to say, it led to this you know, a lot of this current brain dead, flashy cutting. Yeah, I'll say Michael Bay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even though he wasn't, a, he was a commercial director, not a video director. But uh, you know, it's like well, all all style, all style with no substance. I mean, that that was that definitely added to the trend of Hollywood movies to become more flashy and less about story. How do I? I don't know how to tell a story that's more than three and a half minutes long. I've never done one that long. Is a problem with a video director. So I'd say the three most successful are, in fact, David Fincher, Spike Jones, and Zack Snyder. Arguable, but you know, yeah. Watchmen in Three Hundred. I like Snyder's work. There are movies you can definitely yeah. watch there. I don't. I just don't like the homoerotica of Three Hundred. But I, you know, I, I, I you wouldn't. I like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but uh, you so, know, but yeah. Dawn of the Dead, I think, but, is great. I love his Dawn of the Dead. Well, well, all of those directors do both music or came from both music videos and commercials, and it's yeah. it's DP gigs, <laughs> basically, and it's yeah. the difference. Of, it's an interesting difference because commercials in their best of best of moments are you're telling a, you're telling a complete story in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And music videos are never ever stories. Music videos are a pure collection of random well, imagery. The, most for, music videos no, are that way. Nine, some 90%. some especially back when they were really experimenting with the form. Some some really were little mini movies, you know. Thriller. Yeah, thriller. Thriller. Uh, 
Some of Tom Petty's ones where these like, you know, Tom Petty did one that was like an eight minute long story based on one song. And, and, uh, and the music MTV video was like, Jurassic we're not going to show this. What are you talking about? Music video for Jurassic Park was great. It was long, too. It was like two and a half hours. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, there was more to that than just the music? Because the music was great. It was good music. Anyway. Now, the effects course, were good. Of course, David Fincher after Aliens 3, got, or Alien, Alien 3 or Aliens? Alien, Alien three. three. Alien three. And it's with the little three, right? Alien cubed. Alien cubed. You get seven, which has a, which has a, like the number seven in it. So he's got all sorts of little little things that he's adding onto his his titles in terms of weird characters. But after seven, just slid on through with a slew of awesome movies. Like the one that came after this was, I believe, the game. I think so. Was it was yes. the next one? Yeah. Yeah, the game, which then, was Michael Douglas yeah. and uh, some other people. They were in it too. Who was and the it, other guy? Who was the was Sean Penn? Who the hell? Sean Penn. Was Sean Penn? Yeah. 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 And uh, it was a. A taut, you know, psychological thriller. It kind of disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. And yeah, no one remembers that movie. It was, a, it was a big deal at the time. It hasn't sort of stuck around like, oh, the game. It's a true classic. Yeah, exactly. There was a great window fall, though. There was. You never see a better window yeah. fall. It's like that, that's like a Batman window fall. It was. And then you get Fight Club, which all of a sudden it's like, David Fincher, you're going to get to be a household name. Way to go. Pat on the head. You can have your glasses and love the magic of movies. Go. Which Fight Club takes place in that same, it's always raining and everyone lives in an apartment that should be condemned world. As, as this, as <laughs> you this never movie know the does. name of the city. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I, I, everyone lives in an apartment that looks like an outtake from Blade Runner, where the, you know, the, the, yes. the plaster is literally totally. melting off the walls uh, of the apartments they live in. And this movie and Fight Club are, are very similar thematically and visually. I wonder if they're the same DP. They must be the same DP. They look like the same movie. I have to give somebody in Hollywood credit because somebody was like, hey, we should make a movie out of a Chuck Palahniuk book. And who should direct it? <laughs> we, should, we should get the guy who directed Seven. The guy that directed like, Seven yeah. was good. <laughs> somebody in the studio system had those two thoughts and put them together. And that's probably one of the few instances of somebody in the studio system you know, having a good Well, thought. and or the package mm-hmm. was created and someone in the studio system had the presence of mind to go, that's good. We'll yeah. greenlight that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In any, in any case, this, Although, this script was written by Andrew Kevin Walker, and I, I don't know what he did for Fight Club. I don't think he wrote the screenplay. I know he was involved in the production. Insofar as there's that scene in Fight Club where you end up with Edward Norton on the table in the, uh, in the, in the police precinct, and he's uh, with three detectives. And if you look at the credit roll, they are detectives Andrew, Kevin, and Walker. So there you go. There's your connection to Seven. And then after so, Seven, uh, let's, let's slide through the rest of his movies real quick. Unless you want to. Uh, Panic Room. Panic Room, that kind of came and went. Yeah, no, I I like Panic Room. Panic Panic Room was another very well, it's a very hot psychological thriller, to be cliche about it, it, but it it doesn't have the staying power. Fight Club sort of started the trend that he had with the the HDR looking, the the image mapped CG interludes. And photogrammetry. And photogrammetry. Panic Room, yeah. That he definitely took with Panic Room and... I don't think it with as much success, although it works. It's just, it seems like a gimmick. It's a little more pointless in Panic Room. Yeah. And, and he's, he's kind of so held on to that. Here's this like brick off. and mortar Wikipedia thing going on. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is, like, this is like an internet that you actually walk into. Yeah. I, where they have information stored, but, but hard to get. Do you think if the internet was an actual building, they would be playing classical music and the architecture would be that beautiful? <laughs> no, <laughs> really? No, I think no. it would look like, like Hot Topic. And like Legoland. Yeah. With YTMND playing and on the speakers. <laughs> and, a, and a lot more advertising on display. Oh, be yeah, banner be ads all over these beautiful marble ceilings. Now, photogrammetry was, was a, a CG technique that was used uh, a lot in Fight Club. All the sequences where you see the, like, the, like they're spinning around the van, they do all that stuff. There's also a really great one in the kitchen where he's kind of talking about how the kitchen was wired to explode, and you kind of zoom under the stove, and you see the stove and all that. That's and coming like, out of, like, the trash and it, stuff. It's, it's based on a theory of 3D uh, texturing, which states that it's easier just to take a picture of something that actually exists, drop it onto geometry, and you, you're, you're 90% of the way there instantly. Not just, I built everything and textured it, and I'm 90% of there now. 
You just take a picture of it and put it on actual geometry. Take a picture from every angle. Yeah. Drop it on there and light it kind of the same. And the shadows will already be burnt into the pictures. And it's a, it's a, it's while not photoreal inherently, it's way closer inherently than other CG methods can be. And he's, it's a technique that he uses for a lot of stuff. Like in Fight Club, we were talking about how every time you, like, you drop down the building and you see the way the, the van is wired to explode or the trash can galaxy of stuff. Or, of course, the beginning where you slide through his brain and then down his nose. All photogrammetry stuff used in Panic Room. Well, then well his neurons firing probably weren't quite neuro- Well, the neurons were photogrammetry. Yeah, that no. was the whole thing. But you slide down his face and you see his skin yes, up close yes, in, yes. In, in, in great, disgusting detail. It's also used, interestingly, in the period piece Zodiac, which followed Fight Club. Because I don't know if you guys have all seen Zodiac. I love Zodiac. I have not. There's a, there's a lot of hidden visual effects going on in Zodiac. Some of those exterior street scenes were, you know, two guys in a car in front of a green screen. Yeah, and, they've got, and, and, and it shows up, and it's used, and it's really weird to see, of course, it's always weird to see tastefully used CG interludes, but it's yes. very weird to see tastefully used CG interludes in a decidedly period PC kind of movie. Because it's not that often that you see a, a movie that's supposed to evoke the feeling of the 70s, with what your brain is saying, well, they couldn't have shot this, but you're looking at it and it's just working on a, on a, on a storytelling level. I love it. I don't know if this was intentional on Fincher's part, but basically what just he, you're showing pictures from the Canterbury Tales and, and Dante's Inferno and everything. And his point basically then is like, okay, if you think this movie is, is effed up, then take a look at what humanity has come up <laughs> Here, with so Here's far. your reading list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, you want, if you're going to bitch at me about this movie being too graphic... Here, go check this out yeah. and get off my Study back. Study up some history there. Here's, yeah. Here's, yeah, the Library Which of I don't Congress know if that recommend. was intentional on his part, but I, I think it's an interesting idea. And obviously the final use of CG in his career up until this point has been Benjamin Button, which, which needs... Which there we was a little bit of we that, don't need, yeah. there's, there's a little bit. There was, it was mostly Roto, from what I understand. It was mostly like comp tricks, you know, <laughs> add, add, adding green screen I, I, I and stuff. I heard it was all done. Yeah. I heard it was all done in camera. I heard it was all done in camera. There's my joke. Yeah, okay, it's, let's it's move forced on. perspective, actually. Yeah. The way they did it was forced perspective. And mostly yeah. split screens is what I understand. Split screens and forced perspective, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, some of it was uh, actual hand animation. Now we, we like go. to talk now, about. There's our. There's our. Okay, that's the. What would that be? That's. I remember. We, I remember reading the books. I actually read the Cliff Notes top. after I read the books, which is the wrong way to do it. Anyone in high school, read the Cliff Notes first. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand what they were. I thought it was supposed to be used as a review tool after you'd read the book. I completely missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. What quality of education did you get where but you didn't now, even know what Cliff not, Notes were used to not much cheat of on? One. Not much of one. I like how I we like how he's just kind of sitting at the top of the police station garage with his lights on, letting no one come in or out. We like to talk about the the Campbellian myth, especially when we talk about Star Wars, and we just kind of pass the uh, up until this point. Morgan Freeman has always <laughs> the has been the refusal of call, and now this is uh, Morgan Freeman's character. He's helping him out. Is taking it on. I love how in this movie we very literally get an underworld to go into too. Yeah, not yes. bad. That's for sure. Brad Pitt hates literature. <laughs> <laughs> or better yet, I could, I could, I could, quote, a, I could, I could quote a Muppet Christmas Carol. I knew you weren't suited for I love literature. That, I like that he got a uniformed officer to go buy him Cliff And he says, good work, officer. Good work, officer. I want the officer to well come done. back and say, don't you ever patronize me again. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I have got a shower cap on my hat, and I will slap you with it. Give me a coffee, too, when you get a chance there, officer. Thanks. Well, I, I, and Roll up your and window. he says, thank you, Lord. Roll up yeah. your window. Something I, like, something I like about this, and again, it's, it's unconventional, um, is that, of course, Brad Pitt, uh, who was around before this, but he wasn't a huge, huge, huge Brad Pitt star just yet, um, 
you know, Brad Pitt is playing a guy who's a little dumber than the average Hollywood, you know, outside of outside of a Judd Apatow comedy. You don't usually see a character who's this just obviously dumb. Um, not a smart guy. Yeah. And and but that's the that's the point of his character yeah. is that, he, you know, he's he's a little he's he doesn't want to get into all this like, let's talk, let's read literature and let's get into the guy's headspace. He wants something he can punch and something he could shoot at. And it really is his downfall is that he's you know, he can't yeah, the, the shoot from the hip he, mentality he can't, gets him in the end. He can't think through enough to be, you know, he's whereas whereas Morgan Freeman. I think the idea here is that I'm, I'm guessing is you know, the idea is that Morgan Freeman is a little too smart. To be a cop because he thinks too much, and Brad Pitt is not quite smart enough to be a cop because he doesn't mm. think enough. <laughs> this really is. Uh, this is obviously deliberately. You know, look at their office. There's not. There's no terminal. You know, there's an electric typewriter. There's an old stuff. You know, there's a phone that makes an electronic beeping noise, and that's about the most, you know, the most high tech yeah, gadget sound, there that, is. That ring hasn't changed either, so we're, yep. we're still, so we're still all right. Exactly. And, and we have rotary phones in here at other points, don't we? Yeah, every, everyone so. who lives in one of those oh, ancient yeah. Blade Runner apartments still has the rotary phone too, <laughs> for some reason. And no one seems to have cable or a, or a television set, except for an old like you know should be watching the Lone Ranger on some of these television sets. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. She sure I, is. I don't know if it's just me. It might just be me, but I just don't like Gwyneth Paltrow at all. I don't and, inherently dislike her. And it's one of those things her. where an oversaturation of an actor's actual personality kind of the way you're able to deal with them as a character <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. So what? You've heard I mean, too much about Oasis, or what's the, what's the problem? No, it's more that you know she moved to, to Europe and started talking with an English accent. Well, so did Madonna, and I assume you don't like her either. No. Okay. No. I'm, I'm consistent. I'm consistently spiteful. You are uh, enjoying those Tom Cruise movies? Shh. Yeah. <laughs> if you go live in England and you're married to an English person, it's hard not to start talking in a British accent. I, but she, it's, it's also the, you know, she's quite condescending towards my country, which I love. No, you don't. I like, I like this country. <laughs> what kind of pseudo-Republican <laughs> faux outrage are you trying to generate? Yeah, I've never pictured you as the My as country, the love it or leave it, and that's why I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow, plus she never returned my call. <laughs> There's more for that. It's funny <laughs> She's too thin that. and too blonde, and it pisses me off. Yeah. Whatever. I think she, she named her kid job. a weird name. Now, this is, you know, yeah, this, the, the kid naming the kid Apple. We can yeah. that there. We got a problem. She's hit and miss for me. I mean, I'm, I haven't liked everything she's been in, but every once in a while she'll kind of surprise me. Like, oh, oh, she was fun in that. Um, I she actually, just doesn't. I mean, I I think my problem is not not even a problem, but she's supposed to be supposed to have all of this charisma, and I just don't find her that I, I, charismatic. I, I look into her eyes and I see deadness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just look in, I look into her eyes and I see blah and it's like are you a movie star exactly yeah. exactly you're That's a movie exactly star it. well okay. is, and, and Daniel please you know again a fellow who like, I like to quote from often because everyone should listen to every word he says is William Goldman um, and when William Goldman again by bucking tradition said you know everyone Shakespeare love Gwyneth Paltrow she, yeah, she yeah. won an Oscar and so did the movie movies um, and, uh, and I saw and, her puppies. And uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and what and what among other movies was beat by Shakespeare and Love for that Oscar? Saving Private Ryan, among other things. So um, mm. that was the big upset. And um, and and William Goldman said about you know I said uh, you know talking about talking about the Best Actress nominees for that year. He goes, Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow will win it, you know, not because she deserves it, not because she doesn't deserve it. She goes, the the, the point is. The, the, that part, the part of Viola in uh, Shakespeare in Love, 
Ten actresses could have played that part, mm -hmm. and uh -huh. any one of the ten would have gotten the Oscar because it's an Oscar part. Right. You know, it's like yeah, exactly. Winona Ryder would be getting the Oscar if she'd taken that job. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing with those movies. You know, those Oscar movies that I'm exactly. like, I really don't want to see this, but I know it's going to get it's nominated, gonna, yeah, yeah. and I'll have to be able. Which to is kind of surprising that you know Fincher ended up making one. You know, the Benjamin Button was the oh my god, that's going to be the most tiresome piece of shit ever. You know, like oh it's got it's got Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt, and they're all acting serious. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Um, and I still haven't seen the thing. I don't know if it's. Have any you guys good, seen Extras, the show with Ricky Gervais? Sure, I have. Like uh, the outside, I think the first episode has Kate Winslet. And yes, she's talking about oh, how, Kate Winslet oh, talking about I, how to win an Oscar is great. I've got to play someone with cerebral palsy. <laughs> <laughs> she has that. Other, the other great line about uh, yeah, because the movie they're making that they're being extras in is a World War II World War II Nazi movie. It's like oh, goes, we get it. It was grim. Let's move on. Yeah, it's like how many Holocaust movies do we need? We get it. It was grim. Let's move on. Uh, but then, yeah, she goes on to talk about how you have to, you know, have a limp to to win to win an Oscar, and, and it's true. Hugh Laurie's won Emmys. If you if you play if you play the character, you know, everyone says, "Oh, it's so hard to be Rain Man. It's so hard to be, you know, Forrest Gump." No, those are the easy parts. Yeah, to play the, to play the the, the you know, to go full <laughs> retard, you know, to, <laughs> yeah, the Tropic Thunder. Tropic yeah, Thunder yeah, touched yeah. on it too. It's like, no, that's the low hanging fruit. That's a, that's the easy road to the. People Oscar. were talking about that at that point in Demi's uh, Demi Moore's career when she was in striptease. And it's like, this is such a bold thing for her to do. It's like, no, it's yeah. an obvious thing for her to do. Yeah, She's getting no. older. She's kind of grasping yeah. at straws. She's going to get her you know, hot bot on screen and then let by it the go. Way, by the way, Demi, since you're listening, I'm not complaining. That's all. Yeah, no. We, no, we salute you. We salute you. That's good. We so salute it, you in so many ways. So I like, I, I think Gwyneth is, I think Gwyneth is attractive to get back With on top. With so many of our appendages. I think Gwyneth is attractive. I, I see, you know, of course, I am, no. of course, I'm of, a, I'm of an older era back when we had, you know, radio and, and, and cars had four wheels. But, the, you know, I always see her mom, you know, her mom, of course, being Black Danner, who was a, you know, started out as the ingenue and now is playing elderly grandmother woman. But um, she's a hottie, too. Yeah, Black Danner. And Black Danner is one of our, you know, are good, you know, classic actresses and was, was in many prestigious things. And, of course, her dad was uh, Bruce Paltrow, who was a, a television producer who produced many popular television series in the 80s and so on. So, so we, can we, you know, we can complain for, you know, oh, she's yet another example of nepotism and she doesn't deserve anything, yada, 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 yada. I'm always, whenever someone comes on that angle, I always remember the song Bloody Well Right by Supertramp. Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> And I, most of the time, nepotism is, is, I think, is a false claim, you know, because if, if, if you live in L.A., chances are you know or are related to somebody in the business. Anyone can claim nepotism. But, you know, I think, I think Gwyneth is talented. Well, nepotism is how this whole damn town functions. Exactly. It's a meritocracy. Yeah. 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 The, the, the Jews all got together and said, we need to sell something for, for, to illiterate people. And, and they invented, what if we gave them stories that they didn't have to read? And, and here we all are. And if you think, yeah, and if you think well. I'm kidding, look it up, because that's, that's what we're doing here. This, this, this industry, this art form, started out as something to entertain illiterate people. So, Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so dirty. <laughs> If I was if I now back to the movie, if I was a lawyer, I would not wear those kind of underwear to the office just in case this sort of thing happened to me. <laughs> you never know. I like how he splattered blood to say greed in an awesome font. Yeah, what and font it, is that? And it appears to be he, obvious, well, he, obviously he they went off the of template time. of the the font they used for the opening credits and for the days of the week that the the whatever oh, sequence yeah. happens yeah. on. It looks like the exact same E. It's sort of filled in. Kind Didn't of, see it. Oh, sorry. He goes Merchant of Venice. Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and unlike unlike 
other movies, you know, slashery kind of movies, you know. Um, it's amazing how this movie pulls back just enough. You know, it doesn't really show you, like, look at all the gore and the blood. It shows you the aftermath. It shows you black and white photographs. And it, it shows you right. mentally. Yeah. yeah, it shows yeah. you, you know, a kind of obscured view of something horrifying, perhaps. But It's, um, such, a, it's such an oddly mature and subtle and interesting way to handle this. It makes yeah. perfect sense that 10 years later... Saw would just come in yeah. with the exact same idea, but just put it all on screen. The victims, you're going to be the victims in this movie. Yeah, you're going to live vicariously through the victims, not vicariously through the cops trying to figure out the horrors of the poor of them. Which I, I forget which one of them made the made the connection, but but the idea that Saw, saw is, is Saw, saw is yeah. seven from the from but but it's, it's it's showing you the victim story instead of the cop story. It's like no, this is what it was actually like minute by minute. This is what was what it was like. Which is uh, as as and it works because it's a horrifying idea. But it, you know, between Saw and Seven, which do you choose? It's a whole other. It's the whole other genre. The phrase, and, the phrase that's come to mind, come to come to light lately, which I enjoy because it's what I think of is, is torture porn. Torture porn yes. as a right, as yeah. a genre. Yeah. You know, this whole sort of hostile Saw. You're going to watch this guy get his head ripped off unless he figures out a problem. Here we go. We have one minute of incredibly tense footage because it's so visceral. Followed you by the cum you shot. Can't, you can't <laughs> exactly, and then it's just like <laughs> all over his face. Oh yeah. All over his face. Say it again slower. Say it again slower. <laughs> Cut open your husband and dig out your wedding so. ring, lady. Otherwise, you uh. can't think. You can't take the thing that's going to rip your head off off of your head. I wish I was making this up, but this is actually the, one of the things <laughs> yeah. we saw too. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's if you don't cut open your husband and get the key out of his stomach, you can't take the thing that's about to rip your head open off of your head in time to get it. Get it to safety. Husband being alive at the time, presumably. Uh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Of course. You're supposed to know that. Uh, that's the twist. Oh, I Spoiler. see. Okay. <laughs> Way to go, Oliver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I haven't seen any of those movies, so I... No, yeah, you have. Not, not a do one. Have, do you have an imagination? Yeah. Yeah, you've seen them. When I was, when I was eight and I used to draw those pictures in the margins of, you know, little stick figures doing things to each other, I, was, I, I didn't know I was pitching Saw, but I was, apparently. It's funny. The original one was actually pretty, you know, it was kind of crappy, but it wasn't a bad movie. It was, and it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't in the torture porn setting. It was much more psychological. It was, he gave us some saws and we're chained to the thing and he wants us to chain through our legs. And it's dealing with the, the ideas behind that. So even though it was from the perspective of the victims, it was still kind of in your head. And then it became torture porn not long after. And it's been torture porn ever since. As compared to, and then, you know, all of this actually does have a point for those still listening at home. You know, we, we are watching Seven, by the way. Don't, <laughs> it's not what we forgot. It's Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> that gave Schumacher the idea, probably. Hey, I have an idea. Um, you know, this, this movie is, you know, a kind of a horror movie. It's certainly a thriller. It's certainly a suspense movie. Um, and it's got car chases. And it doesn't have, actually, it doesn't have car chases, but it has chases. Chases and shootouts and certainly plenty of gore and blood. But a lot of this movie is people sitting in dingy apartments having lengthy conversations. And it's mm-hmm. actually kind of fascinating that Fincher was able to make that fascinating, or I think so. Suspenseful. Yeah. 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 It's, it's absolutely engaging. And it's and it's all the more impressive you're saying, you're comparing the, the use of the gore as being sort of mature. I think that's a real good word for how I feel about a lot of aspects of this. The, the, the shot choices and the editing, it breathes. It's not that commercial director music video kind of like he's Here really trying to punch face. it up. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's actually letting it just sort of unfold fold and it doesn't bore you you know which is something that a lot of other directors well, should try it's, a, it's the difference between in in seven we never see any of the actual crimes yes. being committed right that's the thing we all we only see the aftermath and nor mm-hmm. does john doe commit a crime well i mean he commits a crime of persuasion but nor he never kills anyone in the movie well he never commits that we he, see he never commits a murder that we know of well except for one perhaps at the end um he, oh. he's, he's committing plenty of crimes but uh just not necessarily killing anybody 
but you never see it. Yeah. What a cool way to handle it. Way to go, Fincher. Which is unusual. Now, now we, we were reading that uh, Fincher interview where he said that he was fascinated. His, his sort of spiritual mentors, of inspirational mentors, were Kubrick and Spielberg, and because they're kind of opposite filmmakers. That his, yeah, he's his, saying that there's there's there are two sides of the spectrum. There's Kubrick, where you're you're kind of far back, and you'll see. Uh, somebody mugging some guy in an alley and you're just far back and you leave it up to the audience to say whether that's right or wrong and Spielberg who drops you in the middle of it and go and here you you're here experiencing you go. it and you character. are experiencing yeah, it as yeah. a character in the in the um, informed by the music and informed by the scene it's a very clinical versus very subjective way of looking at a, at a shot and he, yeah. his point was that, versus visceral. his point was that he'll use either or whenever he needs to but that he prefers the idea of just sitting back and trusting the audience to know what's right what's wrong and or let them what decide feels a little weird yeah. about it yeah. Yeah. yeah and this and this movie the, the farther it goes, the more it's going to get into that, you know, conflict of ideologies and, and people talking about different things. But but it ties into the stylistic thing we we're just talking about. This movie has a very detached, you know, don't doesn't case. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look directly at the carnage. It doesn't. It, you know, the, the shots are very sort of we're often very distant from the characters and we're just sort of watching them do stuff. And it's 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 very. Well, really, also at the end of it, what the movie is about is these two people, not so much. I mean, it's almost kind of. Well, it's not really incidental the the, the actual crime that they're pursuing, but it's definitely the focus of it is is more on sort of. These well, it's almost guys. trivial, especially because in the end, the crime solves itself. The guy gives up. Yeah, you know, goes, like, I did it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the other great thing about this movie that it's really worth studying is its attention to detail. We were talking about this before. And okay, so this plot point right here is that uh, the painting was upside down, and maybe that's a clue somehow. So they go back, and it's like <laughs> they pull it off, and go well. And it's something that if you're writing this movie, you're writing that scene, uh, and you think to yourself, oh, "That's a great plot point that I'll turn the the painting upside down. That'll be it." But would you necessarily think to say, "Well, they didn't have the screws to rehang it." It's it's an attention to detail sort of thing where it's like, yeah, he, he, just, he just mentioned this. that. I mean, and, but Morgan, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Mentions that where he says, "Okay, well, they didn't do this. Why? That doesn't make sense. So he must have done this." And it's that kind of attention to detail that a lot of movies don't have, but um, this one does. This movie, I mean, Andrew Kevin Walker, once again the screenwriter, must have had some demons. I mean, there is some insanely <laughs> ideas, some insanely great, galactically Horrifying. fucked up ideas. Yeah, in this movie, Among, this being one of them, he, he cut off someone's hand. And, and used his fingerprints to point to the next scene. It's one of those classic screenwriter things where it's like mm-hmm. every scene should be a giant arrow to the next scene. Well, okay. Literally. He's, he's certainly doing that. The where, where he takes, he doing takes that. the fingerprint of the next guy that they need to find to help him and blasts it all over the wall of the previous crime scene. It's just such a... Oh, it's such, such a great way to just... Now you're into it. Now you're with it for real. If you weren't already. Yeah. Now there's, of course, of course, so now of course, we ideas. think right now that this is a, is the killer's fingerprints, and that's you know that's the, we think that that leads to the next scene because when they bust in onto what you turns out to be the next in, video, yeah. they, obviously, they obviously we be, don't know that yet. Hey, but yeah. yeah, exactly. Except the way you described it was, was saying saying obviously we we're assuming. So I'm just differentiating differentiating so, between no, just, the two. I was term, talking in terms of the ideas, like the idea that he had that that would be the way he would handle this is now just so yeah. cool. We are seeing computers here right now, but very primitive. This is very primitive ones. Eighties era. Computers. So this is a definite mixing of, of errors here. 
Yeah. We've got some film noir style trench coat fedora kind of thing going on. But it's also kind of fun because it's like, you know, if they had computers, it's like what they would have been like in this sort of fictitious older area yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. it's like it's like got this it's all this yellow tones of the fingerprint. It's trying to like it's as if it has a brain and it's trying to match the prints to something. And, I, think, I think, you know, I get the impression that they, they gave they gave this world just enough technology so it didn't hinder the story. Yes. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like if they had to go like we have to get a fingerprint match, we'll get that, you know, before computers is like we'll get that back from D.C. in about six to eight weeks well that you know mm-hmm. the next title card is going to say thursday so we need to move this movie along a little bit so they, okay they've got computers enough to do fingerprinting which has been around for about 30 40 years now so but the fact that just not being specific is what makes it interesting but the- there are a few deleted scenes of this movie that you can find on the dvd or if you have the crappy dvd like i do we found them on youtube there's actually 10 minutes worth of deleted scenes on youtube there might be two videos worth uh, but very few of the scenes don't involve just bonding between the two of these guys. Like one of the really long scenes that they, they trimmed a lot of the fat out of is just them in a car talking. It seems like that's yeah. the one thing where once the movie was kind of together, what they left behind in the edit room was the development of their relationship. I don't think it suffers much from that. But it's, I never do understand <clears throat> the sort of – they, they sort of start to accept each other in a way that – I don't see unfolding before me, so I go with it as a, as a viewer, kind of just watching what they're saying and listening to the words and trying to follow out what's going on. But it, it, the more I look at it, the more it seems like it wouldn't have hurt to have some scenes like that. Then again, if the point of the movie is to be in complete suspense for two hours, <laughs> losing stuff like that might have been necessary. Well, it's I always know. a balance. I, I, don't know. I just like both of the characters, especially you know Morgan Freeman. It's always a balance between plot and character and... And, and running time. And running time. And, uh, most directors most directors will tell you, that I, certainly in my experience, and maybe you guys as well, that you know, you might go, yeah, we need to have the scene to establish this from the character. But then when you get it all strung together, you know, no, we've already said five times that yeah. Brad Pitt's not smart. We can lose three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched a movie last night. Uh, should be on the required viewing list if you haven't seen it. With the Sure Thing. Um, early Rob Reiner, John Cusack movie, an 80s movie, an 80s comedy buddy movie, um, which you would think would be the most dated thing in the world. It actually, I was surprised. It, it holds up fantastically. It, it almost doesn't feel dated at all, except you go, my God, that's John Cusack when he was a kid. Um, <laughs> it's a very funny movie. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it. The Sure Thing, check it out. Plus, if you want to see what Nicolette Sheridan looked like when she was actually a, a young, <laughs> hot bikini girl. Um, and even the music doesn't date the movie because they picked good music. They didn't pick 80s music. They picked good music that happened to be happening in the 80s like Jay Giles and so on but anyway my, but the only quibble I have for that movie I was struck with how good it was and I hadn't seen it in ages was there's one character who's kind of supposed to be the he's a stodgy stick in the mud and I felt the movie spent about five too many beats saying like this guy was a stodgy stick in the mud we, you know, we get it we mm-hmm. understand so, so but that happens all the time you know he's like you know, we need more scenes of character development and they're easy to shoot as opposed to car crashes you know hey you guys sit here and we'll do an improv and you get great stuff out of it and then you have to go through the painful process of going well I love that scene but do I need that scene and even in movies like Chinatown we, in my screenwriting class we did we had the script of Chinatown and we had the um, we watched the film and they're there are moments exactly like that where it's like, okay, we're here's a moment of Jack Nicholson being, you know, his, uh, being Jake, and it's like, okay, well, we already got that before, so we don't right. actually need it. Yeah. And even with a, as perfect of a script as Chinatown is, even that screenwriter is like, you still put something in, you know, two or three times, and then you realize you don't have to do that, and you can <laughs> yeah. cut, you can cut out. Two a lot of those things only. It's a matter of trusting the actor to get it, to get the nuances of it, though. And trusting the audience too, trusting the audience to see something once and remembering it and and realizing and digesting it, because a lot of times when you're putting something on, on which the frankly thing, was more plausible in the seventies. <laughs> well, 
when you're putting something on the page, you're like, okay, are people going to remember that when I get when I go mm-hmm. back to that 40 pages later? And a lot of those things only become apparent when you can actually sit down and watch the movie. Exactly, exactly. exactly. You oh. discover in editing, like, right. wow, I didn't need to, you know, have that scene. That whole scene can go. You know, it doesn't actually do us anything. And I think a lot of those little character things in the beginning were just sort of them buddying up a little more than we really needed at that point. And so I can definitely, I can understand every single one of their edits. And and we, I was mm-hmm. I was telling you that it, it's like it's the kind of thing where it's like when you have a script that's really good. And it's really tight and it's refined like this one feels there's not a lot of fat to trim there's right. not a whole lot to take out which is you if know you've you, written a script properly you won't have, have that many deleted <laughs> but you know what that yeah. sort of informs me of and it's it, this is entirely an inference on my part it might not be the case but to get to a point like that with a script means that you've been working on it forever, which yeah. means that Andrew Kevin Walker spent five years with this script. <laughs> like every day he would it's come home. No, no, he wrote it over the course of like three years or something, didn't he? In any case, he came home like and just dwelled on this script for three years. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and thought and about then, this shit for three years. more decayed the, the, as a human being? The, well, the thing is, well, the issue in this movie work. The flip side of that, though, is like that's and that's why, you know, so many Hollywood movies suck where it's kind of like this, you know, this story didn't really make much sense and it really wasn't that interesting. And it was a lot of, you know, but but stuff blew up really good. Um, draft four. Not yeah, draft exactly. Three. It's like exactly. They, they, they don't take the time because, you know, the good, the good, the really good scripts probably aren't going to come out of the Hollywood system. They're probably going to be a spec that some guy sat in his spare bedroom while he worked at McDonald's for minimum wage and wrote for five years and finally got someone to read. You know, and, and that's going to be the new, interesting, groundbreaking script. I, the, 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 most, the best one-liner I heard about this recently was um, someone described uh, what's, when they talk about the development process in Hollywood and Hollywood movie making, what is that? And the guy said, that's where they take a script that only one person could have ever come up with, and they make it into a script that anyone could have come up with. Mm. Oh. Um, wow, that's good. I like that. So, all the air fresheners right, are now, so creepy I, I, I to I want me. to take a moment to dwell on the scene. Obviously, this movie, is, is it doesn't require conversation on a beat-by-beat basis because uh, it's just so good. Yeah. But this scene stands above the remainder of the movie as one of my favorite scenes of all time. One it is. All time, I would put this it's probably top 30 best scenes. In terms of tensity and, and uh, tension and, and everything that has to happen to make it work, and the effect of what happens, multiple viewings, first viewing, everything about this scene is perfect for me. Yeah. I would have loved to see this in a theater with yes. people, with yes, an yes, audience. Yes. Yeah. I saw yeah. it in a darkened room with a bunch of 16-year-olds. Ooh. It worked just as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's close. We all Lord. pissed our pants. We all stopped caring about <laughs> yeah. my chemical romance for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, this this is would do it. This is an actual guy. This is an actual skinny little guy. Yeah. And they built with up his some face around stuff. Yeah. They made the teeth look a little bigger like a horse and all that to make it look like he was more emaciated than he really is, but... Seriously, Trey, pass along my congratulations yeah, this to whoever is, to fuck. It's Rob O'Teen. Rob O'Teen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Man. I'm thinking about it. Okay, we're no. going to spoil, but but again, obviously you should watch this again. Why didn't John Doe go after Chauncey McGinley's character? He seems a lot more wrathful than Brad Pitt's character. Because <laughs> hmm. he's going, motherfucker, you get, get up, dick, <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. It's like... <laughs> he just seems like much more an, an, of an angry guy than Brad Pitt does. He's Dr. Cox. That's right. Well, if I had to deal with Zach Braff His all character day, name I is California, by the way. When he's, talking to, when he's talking to the end about California. Cal- I'm pretty sure it's Californian. We'll check it out. In any case, I always, thought he, was, I, always, I always thought he was saying, California, stay away from here. I thought he was talking to like CHP or something like that. Like, that's what I thought, too. But his character's name is California. I don't know if he was representative of California. His last name well, was Well, that's what you do with people name. who are from wherever they're, right? I mean, isn't that... Oh, look at this. You know. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> Oh. In one of the deleted scenes, in one of the trim scenes, more accurately, he gets referred to by name. Here we go, here we oh. go, here we go, and... Oh, boy! Oh, the first time... Obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously <laughs> all of us draws their gun. But first time I saw that... 
Yeah. Oh, it's see. It's, John C. McGinley even calls him a oh, cocksucker. Man. It's a major like, freakout. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's freaky. Oh, Jesus. Now I, I've I've heard that there was a apparently it's not on this DVD, but I've heard if you have a different DVD at home, maybe you can check for me. Is the I've heard that the among the special features on the giant oh seven was a huge hit. We'll do a special DVD of it. Um, that the, all the pictures that those pictures the the years worth of Polaroids actually were taken because they were real you know props they needed for the movie, and so there actually is a deterioration. Montage that you can you can scroll through from that if you have a special edition on the DVD. I wonder if that's like if an you interesting want a fun evening like, while you're yeah, here. yeah you want a little, something artists. in the background for your party screensaver. Visual effects <laughs> artists and animators get to do con- like uh, effects tests and stuff. I feel like the the idea of okay decay this guy over the course of a year would be an excellent creature effects <laughs> effects test. Yeah, well, all right, start with a guy. All right, week, month, two months, three months, four months, five months, nine months, twelve months. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like that'd be a really cool way to. Practice everything you'd ever need to know yeah. in terms of aging a person, at least. Well, that was just a very important just, bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, but a moment, yeah, a moment yeah, just happened yeah, there. That, and, by the way, for those that missed it the first time, hmm. that's Kevin Spacey. That's John Doe with a with a wig. Yeah. Also, or maybe not. Now here's my now also here's, saying so also mysterious. saying in that moment, it's like, wow, how do they get here so fast? And Morgan Freeman says, well, they pay cops for information. That gives us two yeah. things. Exactly. Gives us, why, why was he here so fast? Well. Well, see, that's my question. I was like, was he just coming for the daily John Doe feeding and go, you know, he must have, well, he already planted the fingerprints. So he knows that the, the, the cops they, should they be, be looking. To it soon. Yeah. So, so he, he's clearly coming to, to, you know, tweak them and mess around yeah. with them. But at what point, and, and at what I, point I, does he fixate on Brad Pitt? It could be right there. He was testing it, him yeah, for like, wrathfulness. Like literally, was at that point, was he would like, has he, has he picked Brad Pitt so yet at all? A lot of things he, just happened in those, is those he just, 20 seconds. Yeah. Obviously, we got our most important piece of foreshadowing that explains the ending in a way that you might find confusing otherwise, which is that with that one line, cops pay off photographers, or you know, vice versa, yep. you get, how did he find my wife? Yes. Which, well, media, which is relatively he, 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 explicitly he, 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 mentioned in, Just to remind you, but media can get that information for money. It's right. not like something that you're only privileged going to get. No, you just throw some money at the right person in this particular district of the world. And that's yeah. how fucked up it is. Hmm. And that's wrong, I think. Where I, I presume, unless there's some other explanation given for him, that you know, the, the whole point of taking his picture was he can, you know, now he can take that, he can take you could take it to one of the cops and go, who's this guy? What's his name? Right. You know, because how else, how else is he finding out who Brad Pitt even is? Is, there, is that ever, is there any other explanation that's given here for mm-hmm. why he would single out Brad Pitt among any other cop that he, that he doesn't know? I think it makes perfect sense. Well, plus Brad Pitt's mm-hmm. one of the two who are actually just following his, his, his little crime spree here. <laughs> right. Well, so, but, you know, but that's well, convenient. But, yeah. it, well, an entire SWAT team is following him as far as, you know, he knows. Well, PIs. Like, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, how would he, how would he know who the two guys are who are, in all the rooms he isn't in at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but presumably, yeah, he would pay him off. He could, he could. You're right. He could. He could just pay off a cop. If he's going to pay off a cop. He go, hey, who's investigating the the seven deadly sins case? Oh, it's the black guy and the new kid. Mm-hmm. This makes me want to the black guy and the new kid. It makes me want to. Freeman is the only black cop in the entire. Exactly. He's, in this city, yes. Strangely yeah. enough, it's weird. Although the autopsy guy is also black, but. Something about that shot makes me want to go to a Greasy Spoon diner and, and eat, like, scrambled eggs. I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't know why, because it should do the opposite. It should have yeah. the opposite effect. I'm, I'm trying to analyze. But it's in a Fincher movie, so it's every glorious. Movie. Something, yeah, it makes it look all glorious and noir. I wonder why he started, what specifically he was doing on, with that particular, starting that shot there and panning over. Yeah, yeah what, it's what, textural. What do the this eggs movie's mean? full of fantastic just texture. What's the significance of the eggs? Yeah. 
I feel I'm once again we get back to the whole thing where it's like when you're auditioning for an actor, unless you're doing like a stunt casting or if you're doing like a, a studio mandated we need a name kind of casting, you're looking for someone that's gonna that you meet them and you know for a fact that they're gonna sell whoever watches them on the fact that this person is someone you should care about. And I can't imagine in an audition system for this role where it's pivotal for you to think that she is amazing. Amazing to get the full impact of what happens in the end. That she should be someone that just completely blows you away. Not necessarily gorgeous, just the most wonderful, lovable person of all time. And once again, she she doesn't... A lot of times actors carry that in their eyes and the way they use their eyes. Well, and I don't feel that at all when I look at Gwyneth Paltrow. And that's she, just she a, passes... That that's just a charisma thing. I just don't... Yeah, the charisma, exactly. I don't feel her in, in a... I don't feel her presence. She's sort of a featherweight in, in that regard, I guess. Well, to me, I mean... Look at Morgan Freeman. He's... You oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He says it, the, the camera flips to the other side. Well, I mean, and like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, between the two actors, I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, there's a weight class difference here. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I wonder, I wonder how... If but, it, it, it just I feel seems, like the critical that thing... There would have been some unknown that would have really... She feels like the last little piece of this puzzle that could have been better for me is feeling okay. more about her when you see her in the box... Being like, <gasps> yeah. like it's it's a horrifying plot point, but it's not horrifying on a on a, on a visceral level because we I don't care so much about her. That's my only quibble with the entire movie. I agree with that to an extent. I, you know, I, I I always came at it from a different direction. I always saw both her and Brad Pitt as you know, the characters, not in person because uh, I don't know them in person. Um, but their characters is like you know, as we see their home life and we see that, you know they are to me they both represent. Most of humanity, not that bright, not that ambitious, not that and not awesome. that good at anything. Right. You know, it's like they're just two people who are going to have kids and sex and raise a family and then die, and no one will remember and their don't names. Don't worry about they're, the big picture. Yeah, they're they're average people. They're regular average people, and mm-hmm. they're and and whereas Morgan Freeman is, you know, Morgan Freeman is kind the, of a, the lion who knows how to survive in this hideous jungle that they're all in, and they don't. You know, mm-hmm. they're just they're oh, just yeah. not equipped. And, you know, she's just a little too fragile and frail, and you know, she's not interesting, and she's not special she's just a regular person and he's not calculating enough yeah and and so i i you know it's like i never like judge her like no this needs to be a scenery chewing oscar winning performance it's like you know yeah she, it never struck me as a thing where she needed to have a lot of charisma for me what she needed to be, to be was a little bit of seemed a, innocent a victim and who seemed yeah. like a good person right and yeah. preferably and, pretty which and, and kind of has yeah, she's okay. really pretty yeah. has that victim vibe you know it's kind of like you right. Sweetie, you're not going to make it. Clearly, you're not cut out for this. Even here, before we know what's going to happen to her, you're already feeling like, wow, when they're going to get divorced. Some this story's not going to have a happy ending for her, no matter what. Anyway, you know, she's not I mean, built for it's this. It's written into the script. I don't think it's a script thing because she has that whole moment where she's like, hand the phone to your to your partner. Yeah, what? she is very sort it's of like it's yeah, my it's my yeah, wife yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, huh? This is Somerset. <laughs> Kind of in there, like she invites him over, and there's the warmth and the invi- you know the expansive personality is written there. Yes, I you know I don't know if it's a direct the same whatever, the same words the coming out of the mouth that. of a different actress could have been a very different role or a different character. That's a better know? way of saying it. Yeah. yeah, I won't argue with that. Whoa, interesting little. <laughs> that was a weird little shot. Like he kind of just changed the framing with his lean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, yeah. It's like, it's, it's an over now. It's an over. That another, I guess. Morgan, it, you can't lean. You break the 180 yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah, they, they broke the 180 rule <laughs> with you a, Morgan Freeman. Here they're giving you a helpful, you know, uh, helpful uh, reminder of where reminder you are. Reminder of a checklist of where we're at. We are three sevenths the way through the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Four sins to go. All the good ones. Although you know that the last two are ones. We're actually halfway through the movie. That's true. Well, we we know they don't. The new viewers. 
that are listening to this despite our recommendation to not. Do you know what you your sin is, Mal? I love this Let me line. take the list. I love this line, and I want to throw it around online all the time, and I always come up with... So I always never refer to this, and I just should, because it's better than anything I could write. But it's like, just because they have Wikipedia doesn't make them Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Because he doesn't say Wikipedia, because this was a decade before Wikipedia. No, he says, just because there's a library card. There's a library card. doesn't make him Yoda. Well, I, something else just kind of went flying by. I guess it wasn't out of the question in in 95, but just seeing that Morgan Freeman has a pager seems kind of like, wow, what right. time period is this? Yeah. Again, not a lot of cell phone activity, if any. I don't know if we've even seen a cell phone yet, but um, I think one does pop up somewhere or other, but... Maybe not. I could be wrong. I don't think so, actually. Yeah. I think they avoided it. So this brings up a question, and I, I, while I enjoy this movie, I have not studied it and sat down and diagrammed it like, like something. But does John Doe's crazy master plan that's obviously been ongoing for years already and is only now being... The know, coming different the chronology of it and the planning of it and the steps of it like you know if you if you reverse engineer it like okay i'm going to rehang the picture and put the fingerprints on the wall and i'm going to paint the eyes of the picture of the guy's wife on the off chance that the cops will actually figure out that means they should t- i mean it seems like wow that's a hell of a stretch he's going through he, he's depending on the cops to be pretty clever otherwise he's going to have to like keep giving them better you know easier clues or is that part of the plan? I feel like the, the weakest of all the little things that you ever have to connect to get it uh, happen in two places. There's the first, which is the scrapes on the floor. Right, the plastic. He, he puts the little, little, little curled up pieces of plastic that scraped off of the linoleum into his stomach. Right. Which means that you have to pull those out, see what they would, pull back the fridge to see the word gluttony. Now, if you didn't, you're still going to get the greed murder, and you might only then get that... Hey, this guy's doing the sins. And it's funny because if you finished out with that, not knowing the gluttony one, you'd be like, where's the seventh? Well, you idiot, you didn't, there's a fridge and it's like going to sit there seeing gluttony on the wall for like 20 years and someone's going to pull it back and say, <laughs> hey, there's a piece of paper back here. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the other one being the one you just referred to, which is that the wife with the, uh, the, 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 the vise of, of blood around her eyeballs looking at the painting. And that one's kind of, he kind of covered his bases on that one by turning the painting upside down and saying, you know, he... He, as a, as a murderer, hung a lantern on it. By the way, <laughs> when you're interviewing, someone will say this in case you hadn't fucking noticed. Well, it's a, but it's an abstract yeah. painting. No one would know that it's upside Except down. Except for somebody who knew the painting. Like the, exactly. The so to wife. me, that's a stretch. It's like, you know, not to the fact that, you know, they yeah. had to, they had to get, and the fact oh, that. Oh, I guess you're right. That is a connection. They're saying, he's saying, yeah. ask her to look at this. Exactly. Oh, and and right. the fact that, that she was able to, she wasn't even in the room. They showed her photographs of the room and she says, hey, that painting's upside down, which to me, that's a little, a little dicey. That, right. That know, is a stretch. Yeah. You know. You know it's kind of amazing that we ended up with a movie out of this and not seven murders. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Kevin Walker finished this and was well, like, I'm right. done. As opposed and to, maybe, this is awesome. I need to just do this. But as I was as I was articulating that, it just occurred to me, it's like, what, or maybe that's where you were going to. It's like, at what point does John Doe's plan require the cops to understand any of this? I mean, he's going to keep still keep killing people no matter mm-hmm. what, except for the last two. It's not like it matters to his plan, whether the cops have figured any of his brilliant schemes right. out or not. He only reveals himself when it's time to seal the yeah, deal. Yeah, he turns himself right. in. And, and he might have had a plan to seal the deal differently, and he didn't realize until he ended up with fucking <coughs> Sims that he could screw with him so this much. So I guess much. that's the idea. It's, like it, it, you know, it's not about, oh, I hope they don't catch me, because that is part of his plan, is right. to be caught. All he needs from the cops is to find one who's who, who, he, who, he, who he can make wrathful. In that case, it wouldn't even matter if they figured everything else out after that. Yeah, or in if they never figured any of it out. 
even yeah if know. they never got any of these clues you know so so presumably that I think I'm you know backtracking to my own previous question I imagine you know again we're writing the movie of John Doe instead of the movie of these guys I imagine he went for his daily visit to his guy in the apartment and was like oh the building's surrounded by SWAT the cops are called oh, it's time we're time to go the cops are, to- the cops have figured the shit out that's awesome mm-hmm. alright so we've got gluttony I want to I work out the timeline here. We've got the, 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 <laughs> the, the, break obviously the longest standing plot that he has for a murder is sloth. Is sloth, sloth, yes, which took a year to a do. Year. So mm-hmm. at least give him a month to plan what he's going to do for the first one. So say thirteen months before now, he started planning this, and he finds the guy for sloth. Now, what's the next longest one? Because greed happens pretty instantaneously. He just goes in the room, does it over the course of a weekend. He says he goes in on Friday. Uh, there it's going to be uh, uh, takes, lust. Lust, uh, he had to get the thing built. Lust, he had to get the thing built. That would have taken a few a few weeks, maybe a couple of months at a, at a leather shop that mm-hmm. was particularly busy because mm-hmm. they play Gravity Kills. <laughs> yeah. I know industrial music. And um, <laughs> we also have, let's see, Envy is his, Wrath is his. So that leads Gluttony, only, they say, over gl- a period of 12 hours or something yeah. like that. Gluttony was 12 hours. He had to stock up, though. He had to industrial you know, bulk buy spaghetti or whatever it was that he right. used. So that's Gluttony, Greed, Envy, Lust... Pride, the girl. So yeah, that's another instantaneous one. Yeah, yeah. just just. So basically, he had to start up a year and then wait eleven months. So he was basically torturing. What if he just got bored? What if he was like, you know, this is sort of a weird idea, and you you still have a tongue, so I'm just gonna let you go. I was gonna cut off your hand and do this whole thing. You can have some of these pine fresheners. Maybe I have more than I need. But now. not not Maybe. if he. What if he didn't get bored? But what if it just it doesn't work out? He goes, oh well, I. I had this whole awesome thing set up, but it just... Did. I'm not, I'm I needed of, some other things gonna, to work, if, and they did I let you go, will you tell? Because I'll let you go. Yeah. I'll I let, think, yeah, and then he just, like, stabs him in the throat. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I tell. guess not. I guess not so much. <laughs> Either that, or he just, just sort of... Maybe he just decided, I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, uh, kidnap a, a drug dealer and a drug addict and pederast. Who uses that word anymore? Um, and tie him to a bed and, 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 you know, keep him alive for a year. And then about six months in, he goes, you know, I could probably turn this into a bigger project of some kind <laughs> yeah. if I thought about it. I, I, could, I could do a lot more with this. Yeah. It's like when you, when you make a short film, you're like, there's more story here. Yeah. I can make a movie. How can I, can I make take what I've, already, he, he, what I've already done and yeah. extrapolate it into a bigger series of crimes? He got home and he was like, ooh, the sins, and then ran back out and, like, painted it on the, the floor and the walls. This would be great. Yeah. I'm getting tired of feeding you, you slothful. Ooh, wait a minute. Ooh, I, said, I had a cool idea. Hold on. I love this here. Yeah. Pow. <laughs> yeah, he's very casual nice. about it. Yeah, well, he doesn't, doesn't cue him too fast. Yeah. Know? Boom. Yeah. And it's the, same, it's the same point. It's like, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily, unless he's really paying off a lot of cops on the inside, he doesn't necessarily know what, when they're at his apartment door. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, I'm he's coming home and whoa, Nelly. I guess it's time. Yeah. This is why I've got the gun on me. So we're about to have really practically the movie's only real action scene. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yep. Ooh. And 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 a scene you know. during which Brad Pitt actually broke his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which is fortunate because he wears a bandage. Hopefully they shot this mostly chronologically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. what I was gonna ask. I mean they don't shoot hardly hardly any movies get shot chronologically. Did this did this one in fact get shot chronologically? Well, I don't know. Maybe they were fortunate uh, enough that just just the parts immediately after he could have a bandage on, and then you know, I mean, he's healing and stuff, so then they can take it off and do other scenes. And yeah. he is know. wearing it at the end, though, isn't he? Isn't yes, he, he is. wearing it? I think things? he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's also we were talking about this a second ago uh, before we started recording. How there's a stunt guy. I don't know who who he is or what he's done, but I know that it's in his contract that if he dies during a take, mm-hmm. you have to you use, use that take. That take. <laughs> What a cool thing. Absolutely. What a cool way to What if it's it. not the good take, though? 
<laughs> yeah, what are the, A, what if the focus is off? Yeah, really. And B, what if, what if I'm assuming in that stunt you the part of the action is for the guy not to die. So then you have to work it in. See, you were supposed to go through the window and not splatter against the wall. How are we supposed to use that take? That's not the shot. Whoops, that was someone else. Here comes the real guy back through the window. He <laughs> goes past that body and... Uh, Can we no. put it in the comedy outtakes on the end credits? But the reason you brought that up, by the way, is because they use the take where he broke his hand, is what you're saying, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. Do you know Do you know what what he was doing at the time? He was running over the hood of a car. It was wet. He slipped. And you see it. Which makes There's a also lot another of sense. moment that'll come up dumping a lot of water <laughs> yeah. in all these shots. I'm always worried when I see actors running, you know, in rain. In in rain. There's a, there's another moment coming up where is it Brad Pitt or is it uh, Kevin Spacey that they kind of tumble off uh, a car hood or something and their head gets it, dangerously yeah, they, close. They it's, it's, also it's, it's, it's also Brad Pitt. It's also Freeman. Is it Freeman? I thought it's Freeman. Or, or his double. I don't think it's really Morgan. But um, it's coming up, though. But you could be right. Either way, but yeah, it's, it's pretty like, whoa. Oh, John Woo. The, pig, the, the pigeons. The very John yeah. Woo moment just there. Whoa. Oof. Yeah, man, he's really getting into this. And I like how you don't see what it is that Kevin Spacey's holding on to that he's vaulting over. So it just looks like he can hop like an agent. <laughs> yeah, <right>? yeah. <laughs> My God, he's a demon. It's like, who lives in buildings it's like Kaiser this? Kaiser Sosa. Like, you have to really search to find buildings, you know, this old and ornate and plasters, you know, plaster mm-hmm. strewn. However, downtown LA does have its share of them. You know, these no, are this is all CG hotels, and I mean, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, this this clearly looks like a hotel of some kind with you know ballrooms and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, there's a, the the famous Bradbury Building is downtown. Bradbury Building is where they shot the the Blade Runner interiors of. Uh, Sebastian's Laboratory is the Bradbury Building, which is a, older than a century. It has that very ornate wrought iron look. But, but really, only, only that like 810 block of downtown L.A., which is clearly where we are here, is, looks like this in L.A. You know, this, it has There's this, not a lot of it. Exactly. It's, it's a very localized patch. It's the original, original that sign downtown. Shows up in the That's a great shot. Okay. All right, now here we go. So here it comes. Yeah, here it comes. It's either it's Kevin Spacey or yeah, look at right there. That's Whoa. Right there. Wow. Oh, it's the sun double. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was... No, it's someone's right. head. Somebody. Someone's head yeah. close to that tire. Stunt doubles have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuntmen, I got to say, a stuntman, and I, I haven't worked with stuntmen that often, but I have. There we go. There's there it is, and, and um, everything's going right. to be fine. Well, I guess well, we missed it. Well, that, in any case, that looked like he could have hurt himself anyway. But um, yeah, running over hoods, all and that boots, stuff, was the sliding in off, a rain horrifically dangerous. Now he's been, he's holding his hand ever since. Yeah, uh, yeah as far as continuity goes, um, stuntmen are pretty badass guys, and and and. Um, the few I've had the pleasure of working with, it's pretty amazing what they do. They often they will resent me if you call them a daredevil. They'll get pissy about it and, mm. and rightly so do you know why because being a daredevil well, means taking chances and they they don't feel they're taking chances when they do what they do they're you know their job is to be as safe as possible yeah. it's, not, it's not for the thrill of it exactly it's, evil Knievel's a daredevil yeah. you know, going I'm going to drive a motorcycle really fast and who knows what's going to happen you know as opposed to stuntman um, now some, some stuntmen are kind I'm of I'm crazy enough to try <laughs> exactly this. are kind of cowboy daredevils but uh, you know for the most part it's it's a uh, you know they, oh. it's, it's, they feel more like you know athletes and you know trained um, and I, the few I've had a chance to work with and do stuff with, it is kind of amazing. Like, you're, you, you're going to do what? Mm. You know, something that us as normal human beings seem like, you're going to, what? Nah. Um, you know, but that's, but they're, they, are, they are actually okay with it. And I'm not talking about crazy stuff like driving. It's one of my favorite shots ever. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. 
they're not talking about crazy stuff like driving cars off of buildings. I'm talking about just like taking a ten foot fall onto no padding. Yeah, you know, and they're really? like, yeah, and they're like, no, yeah, of course we can do that. That's what we do. <laughs> and I was like, what? Land on your Cause shoulders, we, you yeah, because we'll put a pad down there out. for you. Like we can just frame up and go. No, we no. And now they'll just uh, do computer avatar. Yeah, exactly. Sadly, yeah. it worked yeah. on Obi Wan. <laughs> True. Yeah, but that was a, a movie. I like how something's on fire there. Like really. Mm-hmm. Honestly, something something in this city is burning right now. But it was a movie I was doing second unit directing on, and we 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 staged the stunt where this stuntman was going to leap off of this thing, and uh, and land on the floor. And we shot a test with a pad, and we took it to the director and you know get his approval. And the director said, "That's great. Okay, so you're just going to frame up a little bit and get off the pad." And and the stunt coordinator said, "No, we're going to take the pad away." And, and the director and I both were like, you're going to what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a real stunt. He'll, he'll just do the fall onto the floor. He'll, he's going to leap off a balcony and land like he's fucking dead. So what did he do? Like, a, did, he, did he land on the shoulder and kind of roll it down his body? No, he just like spread eagle. Just like no. he, had some, oh. he, had some, he had some pads on, and he, but he just, you know, he just, he sold it, you know, because he was supposed to be unconscious when he hits. He's not supposed to be like, I'm fine. Um, That's again, always the thing you notice. Yeah, someone's gonna when someone's prepping to be. Sure, yeah. exactly. It's like, well, he sure didn't. He looked like he caught himself for a guy who's supposed to be dead falling down. Um, this guy just like leapt and splatted and and laid there until it's got to be a lot cut. harder than actually pretending. Like, th- oh, it hurts. I think it is. You I think know? it probably like, is. So you have anyway, to not react. You know, I just I'm just saying I'm just saying give it up for stuntmen because uh, you know getting getting almost your head almost run over by a car tire is hey that's that's a day that's a day at the office. Now we're about to. Now this is where the art department was like, "Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to have so much fun inventing this room, this building, this this apartment." It's very spacious apartment. It's a hell yes. of an apartment too. <laughs> he's this got a lot of. He's got like three or five. He lives across the hallway from the friends. This is not <laughs> yeah. a cheap yeah. apartment. Yeah. yeah, it's got different for, for chambers any, and and little labyrinthine corridors. Lots of rooms, catacombs. Yeah, it was funny. We were talking about uh, me and my girlfriend when she was living in her old apartment, wallpapering with newspaper. <laughs> so that anytime someone would come to the door, they just kind of peek in and be like, <gasps> "Can I help you, huh. serial killer?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because you need to know her to know this, but she keeps a journal and she writes in the equivalent of eight point text. It's so small that I literally can't read it when I try to. I don't even know if she can read it, but she it's well, encrypted with one of those with one of those like yeah. Well, it's not encrypted. It's just it's that those size. You can, one t- those you, you can recognize you can recognize an I and sometimes an O, but every other letter is just like it's just so small. Like a word is maybe a quarter of an inch long. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I was like, you know, if you just keep at this, just write two thousand more of these. Of course, she's been working on that one for years, and it's only <laughs> half done. You know, yeah. it's, it's like a big leather bound thing. It's only she's only got like. 30 pages worth of full page dense it's really wow. by the way it having, the having seen it having seen it in something like this before it is sort of off-putting to see that much thought on a piece of paper <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you because you don't see the whole thing you don't look at it yeah. you don't look at it and, and see what she's saying you just look at it and see wow you wrote yeah. all this content yeah, yeah exactly it's just this is an entire page of I could read all this and these words form things <laughs> yeah for a while for a while I, I worked with uh, um sort of indirectly with autistic adults and I'm not trying to draw any kind of parallel here but but one of them one of their one of the ones uh, behaviors was that she would take a piece of lined paper and she, and it wasn't writing it looked like writing from a distance but it really was just this pattern of like ups and downs and squiggles and curlicues really tight and she would just fill each line and keep going and this was her this was her thing this was her little pattern that she would do and, and she would fill page after page of what looked like script except when you looked at it it was actually just 
Was it a repeating mm-hmm. pattern? Wow. No, it, it wasn't the same anything. pattern over again. It doesn't mean anything. It wasn't words. It was like, you know, just right. sort of up How and down and over. Up and down and over and circle and loop and up and down and over and loop and circle How and square. How long would it take her to do a page? Do you know? She would, she would you know, well, out depending how much time, free time she had, you know, to, to do things. Wow. Um, Hey, how do you know they don't mean anything? Another, another Stokes. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a house. It was a house where the, all these autistic adults and by adults, I mean they're they're not young children. They they lived and and they each had their own kind of peculiar. Here we know, have thing. the worst dark room ever. By the way, yeah, yeah, it's not very dark. <laughs> Any photographers that saw this instantly were like. Not nearly dark enough to really Apparently, you only need to have some red lights in the room for it all. Yeah, just it's it's, as long as you have that bank of fluorescent. You can have these just a couple of red lights. That's all right. Your red lights, whatever you do with them. The joke, the joke we made earlier is they walk in with their flashlights and and all the all the photographs with brilliant bits of evidence all immediately fade (laughs) away. Oh, that would have been good to have. Like Marty's brother's head. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cheap fakery. (laughs) Cheap fakery. His head is cut off. Yeah, this 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 whole section here is just the art department. It's like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. This movie, we haven't really addressed it very much, but this movie, nice bathroom by the way, spacious. Like, is is almost, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say that anything that came out in the last twenty years is seminal anything because so so few things are original. But this certainly did set a trend for years to come. Of of here's how you make an excellent excellent psychological crime drama, and it's and in this case it's even a kind of a, a horror movie, just of the mind. Mm-hmm. And so many films came out after this that just followed the exact same formula that it's hard to it's hard to remember movies that that came before. It's kind of like what Star Wars did for sci-fi. Exactly. Okay. Well, you know, you know sci-fi. Her, by the way, her writing is way smaller than that. <laughs> She's so much crazier. Have you had her checked? No. <laughs> Who could check it? You, you, it's. I mean, it's so. I don't, small I don't mean the writing. You've just have her looked at. Oh yeah, people yeah. look at her all the time. Okay. <laughs> Pop the hood and you make can sure read that. That's not. You're that's, not crazy. You're just obsessive. You're not nearly crazy enough. Whoa. So again, oh, yeah. now, now that, I that horrifying yeah, picture it yeah. reminds me. And of what the, was that even? We don't even know. We don't want to know. The picture that the dentist in Little Shop has just on his X-ray bulb. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. a dog. The Wolverine like, or whatever the hell that is all over his eyes. Well, and, and <laughs> I guess the reason why this 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 particular scene is is sticking with me is is as you guys know or as you know, I, I just finished an, editing an episode of and doing post production on an episode of a show I'm working on right now, a uh, web series which is all about the, the backstory of the two characters as told in these dossiers that are revealed on computer screens. And, and just the, the amount of work to try and simulate an entire life history right. for two characters. Is, <laughs> and it's nowhere near the level of this kind of detail, but I'm, maybe that's why I'm extra admiring of the art department of this movie for, for you know, creating, telling us so much more about John Doe than, than you know. Than would have ever been in the script. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I find that fun, though. And, I, and as a moviegoer, I always appreciate it's really cool, that. But it's a lot of work. Exactly. Every little bit of it needs to be able to work if you really yeah. look at it. And you it's know? like, you know, and you might make something work some, very hard on something, but it doesn't really show up. And people, oh, I never saw that. Oh, did it give you a bunch of uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, new uh, character ideas as you're going through, it, fleshing all this stuff out <laughs> yeah. you never thought about before? Yeah, I should. Yeah, I like, should make a whole oh. spinoff of this. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, really great Freeman's work. Kicking back with some light reading. Yeah, a little light reading from two thousand books of a crazy person. Now, someone had said, and I guess this is true, that those books were all actually filled with words. I yeah, I've heard this before. I heard this a long time ago so that the art department actually wrote in all of these notebooks so that theoretically the actors could walk and pick any random book and flip through it. I, at the know, time I, I was impressed. To me, that seems I, like I a, find hard. I find it hard to believe yeah. this. The more I've and I, I learned this or supposedly heard this a long time ago. But the more I know about movies, the more I went yeah. from being wow, that's awesome to 
If that's that it. is that's true, like, it's that's like, stupid. Yeah, that's, that's probably not true. And if <laughs> it is, pay, somebody's an idiot. You're only paying yeah. the PAs that did that like 500 a week, and that's like 15 grand worth of 500 a week. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, Brad, if you pick up an NP1, pretend it's got something written in it, all right? Just, during the, just during the pages that we actually see them flip through, which would maybe, that's, what, 10, that, 12? That's, that's enough, a lot of work. Yeah, right that's there. plenty right there. You'd, you'd feel a little nuts after writing out yeah. 12 pages of what's in John Doe's head. And that's what I do think about. I think about some poor PA or some, you know, art some department. Art department Transcribing PA. this horrible stuff. Yeah. I wonder if it even says that. I wonder if they told the PAs not to write anything funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Brad Pitt doesn't open it up and yeah. it says, Today on the subway, I sat next to a man who now then pulled down his pants and proceeded to dance like a little animal. Oh, Now is the time for all good men to, Hi, Brad, are you reading this? Awesome. My name is Tina. I work in the art department. <laughs> Here's my number. <laughs> yeah. So, the fact that John Doe has a phone... Now Brad Pitt Brad Pitt's pretty well thrashed right now <laughs> Not since yeah. Troy Have I seen Brad Pitt so thrashed <laughs> in a movie You know he's, he's gonna be a mess For the rest of the film now You sure it's all bloody he's Yeah he's got a black eye hand. He's yeah. got a bandaged up hand He's so dreamy though Yeah he's, Oh he's still hot I'd totally do him I would do him I'd do Morgan too though but I'd do Neil Patrick Harris There you go I would blow Neil Patrick Harris Every day of the week <laughs> Alright MPH when you hear wow. this Good to know i do magic Magic Talk to on me, baby. his nice. Okay, all right. We, well, we can edit that last we're, we're, fifteen seconds. We're, we're sharing and between growing. this and Demi Moore. Yeah, <laughs> we're totally sharing and growing on this episode. Uh, well, it's, it's 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 a bonding kind of movie. Really pulls at the heartstrings. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys earlier were comparing this movie to I Am Legend. Are we there yet? Do we want to talk about that yet? Well, right now there's nothing going on. We have to wait for a minute until, <laughs> yeah. until Kevin Spacey shows up. Well, there, there's plenty to talk about in regards to the end, so we could. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, and, and we haven't let's, gotten let's, to let's, we haven't gotten to what is arguably like the most the nastiest up. of yeah, the yeah, sins. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Actually, we're kind of coming up on it. Uh, we're, well, we're, getting, uh, we're, we're sneaking up okay. on it. We're, sne- right. we're sneaking up on it. You want to? Yeah. Let's, let's just talk about this. By the way, here's uh, that gravity kills I was talking about in the background. You should definitely check them out. They're on MySpace. This is. It's funny because you guys. You weren't. Brian, you weren't. But Ryan and Trey, you were both at Panzillicon. Yes. And that was my first yes. experience meeting you guys and also many other people that I now know. Right. It was also my first experience at a convention. I have since gone to Comic-Con and a, and a con that was smaller <laughs> than that. So yeah. I've now kind of spread the gap. I know what conventions are like. But that was my first experience. And I don't know if you recall, but it took place like inside and off to the side of like a little theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a little theater. And when you walked in, there was only like four booths that they had bought. There was like a green screen and like a Stormtrooper helmet that you could like dress up in and they do a thing. And it was like a guy that was selling park saber- sabers and it was like a leather And then there was a leather goods guy. And I walked Whoa. in and it was the one that was right in front of the door. So I walked in and I... Walk back out. <laughs> this is what? not the right this place. This is not the right. This, is, this isn't the Star Wars convention. They're selling sex toys. In I drove there. how far for this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Now, I remember I didn't get get much of a look at what was going on in that side of the room. But was he selling like your sort of like he was, the, he was yeah he was selling like your here's your lightsaber leather holder and here's my knife dildo like he had them both yeah hey, it was right. clearly he clearly had multiple he was diversified as a leather was he, what, did he have a knife dildo a la seven or was he no, a, no 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 but it was it was but he had, it was definitely BDSM it's style. one of those people who's like. Like, you know, someone was in the fetish gear business and realized that convention sales was a good second market they could kind of there's crack a, it's into. It's weird, man. It's it's weird. There's a huge there's overlap. N- there's a lot yeah. of overlap there. And there a lot is. of the, you can use a lot of the same parts I mean, and materials and supplies. <laughs> I have a friend that I've, you know, 
went to Dragon Con and he's like, so you don't understand. Dragon Con is not about Dragon Con. No. It, <laughs> yeah, Dragon it, Con it, is the con you go to to get laid. Yeah. Just yes. as Comic Con is not at all about comics anymore. All right. What's up, Leland? How's it going? Hey, Leland Orser. Now, we say Leland Orser is, is also married to um, an, an actress of, of renown whose name I can't think of right now, but she was in Waterworld to, to help me out, jump in anytime. Sandra, no. Yeah. That girl. I know. Yeah. Go on. Um, I believe they're 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 married, and uh, Leland is the guy. You know, when, he's another one of those that guys. Like, oh yeah, that guy. You, you, I've you seen have, that you guy. Have, you have full retard, and you have full freaked out. Yeah, full Leland, and and <laughs> Leland, full Leland. And I think and Leland's a good guy. I mean, we were we were listing earlier. It's like he's the guy in Saving Private Ryan, who's the glider pilot, who talks about how he crashes glider, and and he's in uh, he's in uh, the Bone Collector, where he turns out to be the, the crazy guy, spoiler, hysterical guy at the end. And Leland is always the he's the go to guy for this kind of like. When he starts to just rev up and go into these fits of hysteria, I, I don't know if he, you know, enjoys being cast in those kind of roles. Or once you got one on your reel, yeah. Once he did seven, it's probably seven. This yeah, is seven probably is probably like started. you know he's set for life. Because this the, is oh god. Yeah, I mean, and it's and, and I'm not knocking him because he's and, you know it's. Oh, I don't think you're. I don't. I don't hear you as knocking him. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, even more so than the ending. This is the single most. You've been watching this movie for an hour and a half. You're now warmed up to screwed up. Yeah. We're going to screw you up way beyond what a movie should ever screw you up for. Just the yeah. idea of what had to happen for a murder to take place the way we know it took place. Yeah. Not not torture, a murder. She died. He did yeah. this until she died. Yeah. The, the, the concept of that, in any Ugh. other situation, this amount of performance would be overplaying it. I feel like... No, that There's would, no that way would, to overplay. Would, yeah. The yeah. remainder of your life, you, she would die, and your life would be over. Yeah, for you the never, rest of your life, you would not be fine. You'd yeah. never have sex again. How do, how do you possibly <laughs> yeah. have sex ever again? Yeah, or the, or the first time you would try, you'd get about halfway into it, so to speak, and, and, and then just go. Ah, I'm having a total freak out oh right now. And obviously, yeah, obviously, hard. though, we all feel for her. The, the, yeah. the fictional character that was killed this way. Oh yeah. The, the very thought of what was happening is just it's ter- Again, it's, it's terrifying it's, and horrifying and all sorts of fine, mortifying, creepifying. That's I mean this and this well this is, this is basically stupefying, yeah. Mortifying, creepifying, and stupefying. Well this is why I believe torture porn is called torture porn. Whoever dubbed it gave it the right idea. Because, you know, most movies don't show actual sex. You know, they might show cruelty, they might show crime, they might show terrible things, but they don't actually show, show the you the actual act in excruciating detail, mm-hmm. as opposed to porn, which is, oh, you want to talk about people having sex? We're going to show you every moment of that. So that's why the difference between a movie like this and a movie like, you know, Hostel or whatever is like, Songs. they show you the torture in torture porn, just yeah. like they show you the sex in regular porn. So... You know, but I, I I still subscribe to and maybe sex porn, if you will. Exactly, it's like it's like porn, it's like sex porn, and uh, I still subscribe to the theory that you know, no, no, I just give me a hint, and my twisted brain is going to go so much weirder than anything you can put on screen. So she's in porn. Wait for it, ography. (laughs) Oh, my favorite line from How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) (laughs) She's in porn. Wait for it, ography. So, I mean, they just had, they barely showed a flash. They showed us one still black and white picture of a girl, you know, supposedly a, a prostitute. And they showed us one distant shot where you just sort of see them looking at her, but you don't really see her. And then they showed us this thing. And then they showed us Leland talking about what it was like. And that's it. You know, so that's, that's far less than I, you would find in Hostel or in Saw. But uh, I think it works. You were talking about fine. this on our pre-watch. Yeah. That's the take you never want the PA to just laugh at. Or like something no. happens where someone just loses no. their shit 
and and makes a sound and throws a, throws him out of character because that's the one where it's like you, so, you get the like DP the, like fixing the, the light right the, the DP fixing yeah. the light oh, and Leland yeah. oh god yeah exactly well it, like clear the room you know I don't know what I don't know what Christian Bale was doing at that exact moment of the famous freakout but if he was doing a scene that was anywhere remotely like that I think he has every right to like go yes uh, I'm working here having seen Terminator Salvation. Yeah. I will say it was not. <laughs> he, he never he never has a scene like that. Well, yeah, it, and I would hope that I guess it happens because there are some terrible directors out there. But I you know I would hope that most directors would not you know have the craft service table off camera when you're trying to get an actor to be able to play a scene like that because you know if you subscribe to the idea that oh an actor you just tell them what to do and then they'll do it you know then then okay but I think you're wrong and. To, I think, in my experience, to get an actor to get to that place, you know, where they can play a scene, where, where the, you know, it's like, you have to believe it. I mean, it's, if you're a director, it's your own movie. You, you don't have to go like, yeah, just like be hysterical. Okay, that's just great. Just do we, it. I don't care. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We got it. You know, it's like, to, to, I believe that Leland was, you know, experiencing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he was the guy who actually did that. And he has, he's, he had, whatever, whatever he's picturing He's he's playing it. Mm-hmm. He's the guy um, that can go to that place. That's why he gets those roles. Exactly. So, so, but as a director, I mean, normally, if you're a decent director, unless the actors are some kind of freak, uh, you know, you, you need to create a very sort of protective, special kind of environment so that an actor feels comfortable to, like, expose that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and God forbid you should have a PA in the background, you know, giggling. You know, it's like everyone involved should be fired if that scenario is even possible when you're trying to shoot a scene like that. Now, that being said, I, <laughs> I have had experience with a director who I won't name where we were shooting, we were shooting a scene that was a sex scene. Um, it wasn't porn, but it was a sex scene in a, in a feature film, um, which also involved a visual effect, a, a creature effect. So, so there's a – it wasn't the actual actress. It was a stand-in. She literally was a stripper that they'd gotten from the local strip club. Wow. Because it was just going to be from the neck down that they were, she was going to be visible. And a stand-in for the actor. And they were actually simulating the actual act of, of having sex. Um, and there was a creature effect that happened in the middle of it, too. So literally, they, they set this up. It was a bed. It was just a mattress and a bed in the middle of a giant empty soundstage. It was like just before they wrapped the movie, all the sets had been struck. Giant room with just a bed in the square, square in the middle of it with this poor, you know, standing extra and this chick that had just pulled out of a strip club who'd never been in a movie before. And, uh, and they're just getting shots of them simulating. She's on top riding him and having sex and, I, and I'm crouching right by the bed enjoying this moment because I have to do this creature effect that's part of the shot <laughs> and the director is like um, <clears throat> the director is watching and she's just kind of calling out you know okay a little harder a little faster a little, you know, and the camera guy is kind of wandering around trying to find a shot and, um, and at one point the director who's off you know six, six feet away watching the watching the thing on a monitor um, she starts to giggle. She's just something t- struck her as funny, and she starts to giggle. And I saw this poor girl. I'm like, you know, three feet away from this like 22 year old stripper who's, you know, I'm in a movie. You know, she, she's the director starts to giggle, and the people around the monitor are giggling. And it wasn't really about her, but you could just tell she was just kind of like, oh, what, what happened? What did I do? Did I do something out? stupid? <laughs> and I literally had to go to this like nude, you know, girl right next to me. I'm crouching by the bed, going, no, no, they're not laughing at you. It's cool. It's okay. Don't worry about it. There was something happened over by the monitor. I heard him talk about. It. Oh, that you was. The last so the ga- I'm gallant to strippers. Ask anyone. I'm good to. Str- I'm very nice to the strippers because they work hard for the money. Damn it. But um, even a scene like this, and we'll get back. Roxanne. Even a scene like this, getting back to the movie where you know, it's, okay, lay here in your underwear and be covered with blood, and you know, I'll be ugly, and yeah, it's, it's this. This point goes. I respect anyone who does any of this stuff. This is hard. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hard stuff to do. This goes back to the point where we were talking about trusting the audience and not having to lay everything out mm-hmm. because part of the deleted scenes. 
It's just a very ex- little small extension in the beginning of this where Morgan Freeman starts in the bathroom and it's written on the wall of like, I didn't kill her. She had the choice or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I gave her a choice. I gave her, yeah. I gave her the choice. You don't choice. even see that. And yeah. no, you don't. So they cut it. And it, make, so it makes it Morgan out. Freeman seem less sort of astute when he just rehashes what he just saw on the bathroom wall. <laughs> yeah. He looks a lot smarter yeah. when he's like, so I just saw this thing in here. I'd like to say I, I figured it out on my own, but he actually wrote it down for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> hey, have you been in the bathroom yet? No? Well, uh, <clears throat> you'll see what you did. you yeah. see what he did there. No need to go in there. No need to go in there. There's nothing in there. I yeah, checked. Yeah, they got it covered. Now, chronologically, he's just killed Gwyneth Paltrow. He's coming to the police station, having right. just chopped off her head, and wrapped it in a box, yep. sent it to, it to a guy to drive guy. it out to wherever the fuck, Bakersfield. Yep, tomorrow morning. Which yeah. I hope she put, put her with, like, some ice her blood. Now, I wonder, yeah. they said they were going to test this blood. Don't they only have, like, a throwaway line? Well, it takes, the it takes but longer. It, takes, go, it, it takes seems so like long they're playing that. it like they go out this afternoon. Well, well, also, all you can do is just go, well, yep, this is somebody's blood, and now we have a sample I of it. I love this. I love this. Yeah. yeah just, Kevin Spacey, just come and grab the scene from Yeah, the fact that he's just right there. It's written on the page. He says, "Detective." Yeah, but he goes, "Detective." Yeah, it's kind of like his great one of the one of the few highlight moments for me in the Superman remake was. Uh, go ahead, say it. Say it. Go ahead, say it. Superman will wrong. <laughs> I can always love that that line he did. Only only Spacey can well, pull so that one off. So did the internet. He's so yeah. skinny. True. Kevin Spacey was also in the Negotiator, which yeah. is a movie that as a supporting people character, don't, people don't. Well, yeah, it was him and Sam Jackson from the latter half of the movie, yeah. and David mm-hmm. Morse, who I love. I like David Morse. I mean, The Negotiator is one of those movies that I guess people just don't know exists. I don't know how that happens because it's a wonderful, it's another great kind of just movie. It kind of came it's and Sam went. Jackson but it's taking hostage of people. It's and quite Kevin good. Spacey trying to talk him down, and it's just this wonderful. It's a bunch of people. Early Paul Giamatti before Paul Giamatti was Paul Giamatti shows up in that role. Or that mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. in a role as like a, a credit defrauder, and he basically talks the the ex cop Samuel L. Jackson through the act of doing what he has to do. Yep. It's a great movie that you should check out. But like this this five year period was a huge Kevin Spacey period where you went straight from Usual Suspects to this to uh, let's see no he went from Usual Suspects like to this to like Outbreak to um, yeah L A Confidential and then you had American Beauty like and The Negotiator all in that little chunk. I think yeah. American Beauty was the most recent of those, like, five in a row that he did. They were all like, man, this guy's amazing. Yeah. But, well, yeah, American Beauty, by then he was, you know, a star and was the lead of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, but, and, and I think I think L.A. Confidential was kind of the, sort of the crossing point for that. I have yet to see that movie. You have not seen L.A. Confidential? I haven't I seen that movie. I really recommend it. I, I'm fascinated by that movie. I think it's great. Now, we are about to also talking about um, people who, you know, oh, Aren't we about to see uh, someone who no one had ever seen before in, 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 at this point, but has since gone on to be very famous for a television show? Um, aren't we about to see Toby from West yeah, Wing? Richard uh, Schiff. Without his beard, there he is. Yay. He's so necky. <laughs> yes, he looks like an egg. Even, even, <laughs> even out of Toby's character, he's still kind of pretty. He's still always kind of that guy. This is like if Toby had turned to the dark side and become. A, Just watch you know, Rob Lowe bust in. He's like a. Oh. Yeah, oh. This, this is what Toby Sam would be like if Toby were a Republican. That's, oh, oh, wow. Oh, snap. Oh, blew dip. my mind a little bit. Yeah. How can you say that on a day when Sarah we're Palin... About to have that's right. I said down. Republicans are evil. If Republicans out there, you can deal with it. <laughs> that was Brian Fenifter. Well, What's your email? And yeah. <laughs> You can follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Now, we're about to have a 20-minute conversation about the end of the movie, so let's, let's slip in our I Am Legend parallel right now. But how does this deal with the ending of the movie that is built up for you uh, compared to I Am Legend? Guys that have seen I Am Legend, take it away. <laughs> all, right, well, do we, all right, we'll start talking about the fact that the ending 
as is, as it exists in this movie, did not almost, almost came not to be. Wow, that was a lot of words together. <laughs> <laughs> what is that you're saying? Uh, the the ending as it is in this movie was almost not the case because as often happens with movies with dark endings, the studio goes, uh, "Does it have to be so dark? Does it have to be so dark? Can it be a happy ending?" And um, obviously, this being David Fincher's second film after. Uh, Alien 3, in yeah. which the studio also had some, yeah. had some so, things Does it have to, to be so dark? No. Yeah, this is the yeah. one where he goes, yes, it's going to be freaking dark. Yes, it's going Deal to be dark. It. Yeah, screw and you guys. Corroborated. And, yeah, and he, this he, is the thing. A lot of times the studio it. will win out because it's the studio versus the director. The studio just wins. But however, however it ha- managed to happen, Brad Pitt was like, if, if this is the ending, I'm if, out. If the ending is not th- what it is supposed to be, then I'm, I'm done. I'm not in it. And so the, obviously the studio relented. But he goes... The, the connection to I Am Legend in the sense that it's, it's the same story for I Am Legend with the opposite uh, outcome where the studio did win in that one as well and it's it completely destroys the film because the whole point of the film is one thing and then yeah. it because the studio gets cold feet at the end, it yeah. it changes and it destroys which is, which the is, whole thing the movie has been building up to. Which is studio executive thinking, which is like, the ending of the movie is whatever you want it to be, whereas a filmmaker uh-huh. worth a damn will say, no, the entire movie... Is built for the ending it has. You know, yes. if, if I was if I was if I was a hack, then yes, you could put any ending at all on my movie and go, oh, it's good. But I made a whole movie to get to that ending, which is in the weird case of um, you know of, of I Am Legend, you can see the movie going there, right, and then right, at the right. end just ends up not. And and it's kind of like, huh? Okay. Yeah. And uh, it makes it as opposed to, as opposed to the abyss. We talked about the abyss, of course, We're at length. You know, whereas like they took the I took out the ending, but then they at least they took out the foreshadowing of the ending as well. <laughs> so you didn't quite notice. Like, wait, it seemed like they were building to something that never actually happened. I am Legend does the exact opposite, where they literally just said, "No, we're just going to change the last reel. You don't have to change anything else." Like, huh? If you were doing like a shine type shining trailer edit of this movie into making it something entirely different, you'd probably start with this scene. Just two guys casually <laughs> shaving each other's chests. Shaving their chests. Play that Brokeback Mountain theme. <laughs> now this right here, of course. I'm gonna keep who, you know, what, what era do... do yeah, you, I like the little rolling. What era do they have the micro cassette recorder with the open reels like that? You know, yeah. that's... Where's the, what, where is that from? <laughs> it could be worse. It could be like a DAT recorder the size of a computer tower. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a hard drive, and he's got, he's got it opens up the trunk of his car. Here it is. Well, even the clothing styles. The clothing styles are very, you know, very timeless. And, and here come the men. Now that's that's kind of modern looking. The the broadcast thing is kind of modern. The wire, yeah, the wireless. Yeah. So I guess uh, it has to be. I wonder how well those microphones work under the Kevlar. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And you know That's one of those things Where it shows up in the movie And you want to say I would never do that That's, that's, oh, a, that's, a, totally that's a horrible would. detail to add Because it's so cheesy The spinning the chamber on Of the, course on you're going to spin the chamber <laughs> Yeah I, I hold it mandatory. to you That anyone that's ever Held a revolver Does that Because you feel like Steve McQueen <laughs> Exactly And for bonus points Then you do the one handed Flip it Flip it closed and, uh, there's, it's, it's, now, The one you probably wouldn't do Requires a bit more finesse To do it without feeling Like screwing it up Is you hold the what cocks a shotgun? You just go. Yeah, right. Just hold it and just go. Th-thump. I'm told that's really hard to do. Yeah, because it's it's it doesn't want to do that. The yeah. point of a shotgun is that it doesn't do that unless you don't want it to. Yeah. Unless you want it to. It's just unless you want it you, to. I'm yeah, told it's difficult unless, unless just you because you know normally it takes a lot of well, force to actually rack well, a shotgun. It, does. it so. doesn't want. It does not want to cock. That's the point. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's, yeah, what, you, that's what you want in a shotgun. Like that that's what you much. want in a shotgun is for it to easily chamber another shell. Yeah, real easily. You know, you know, it's it's you can never make it so easy to shoot. I mean, if it can be yeah. easier, go for it. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, that's not ticket. <laughs> so, and this is where here's where um. Was it John John McGinley? John, John C. John McGinley. John C. McGinley. McGinley. Doctor Cox from Scrubs. Doctor Cox from Scrubs. He's also in uh, mm-hmm. Office Space. Oh, yes, yeah. he is. He played uh, one of the Bobs. Yeah. Oh, what, is it yeah. You, what would you say you do here? What would you say? No, I, I love this. It's such a McKinley way to, to put out the, to, to say the line. What would you say you do here? <laughs> <laughs> Kern Avenue and Vernon Avenue are those Los Angeles roads? They are. That's that's down uh, down south of downtown. That's like Watts. Isn't that south and east? It's it's like it's it's in the it's in it's in the the LA River yeah. and Bridges zone. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's down graffiti district. Down towards uh, you know way down south of downtown. Yeah, that's where uh, Bumblebee got taken down by the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, over there. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. where a substantial fraction of Transformers yeah, takes it. place. It's such that, a wonderful little device that he's cooked up as a screenwriter where it feels natural that you get to have this moment where the cops that have been studying him get to talk to him. Yeah. It's like it feels natural in the script that you have that happen at this point in the script, in the movie, but the opportunity to have a moment is almost so worth having. Yeah. It's almost so great to just have an opportunity where it feels natural to have these guys finally just have a conversation with this dude. When, and, and so unusual because, you know, it never it, the, this, the, standard, the standard thriller construction, which is why this movie really knocks you on your ass when what just happened is like, yeah, and then they're going to chase him and they're going to chase him. There's going to be a big gunfight and then there'll be a, probably be a car chase. And like, you, you're, not, you're not expecting him to like just walk into the middle of a scene that was about something else and go, by the way, here I am giving myself <laughs> up. Right. You know, that's, that was a, a nice twist. Twist, I must say, on the part of the I remember this movie thinking is a nice twist and, on a nice twist, which then leads to this this very unconventional scene where the killers and the cops who've been hunting him for the whole movie get to sit down and just have a chat, and then he's captured. The villain doesn't isn't giving monologues to the people he's got tied to chairs. They've got him in the back of their cop car. He's yeah. arrested. It's, I mean, it's, it's over. You could, you could just start. You could bust out a notepad and start listing the things that are cool about this movie in terms of ideas oh, and the plot devices, yes. and not the least of which being that he wraps up the the. It's not. It's it's serial killing, but not serial killing. It's just procedural killing. He's wrapped himself up with an ending. It's basically episodic killing. <laughs> he's wrapped. He wraps himself into the overall scheme of what he's trying to do, so that it has a nice little bow on it, and it's done. It's basically a presentation of the seven deadly sins in murder form. Right. Basically punishing the sins or holding the sins against the sinners. And and he and he states like the overwhelming argument you could have for that person is what makes you so special. And, of course, not only do they have the chance to say that to him, and instead of having it be a thing where people are like, well, what made him so special? They ask him, and he has an answer for it. He even completely, completely submits to the idea that it's not, he's not so special by having himself be the one that does the envy and is eventually killed. <laughs> yeah. What a, I mean, it's just, such a, it's just such a series of great ideas. But the one thing I'm missing... This, this is... I love this part. Ryan's grinning. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. The insane question. So do you just, do you just ask yourself. Masturbating in your own PC. <laughs> do you just stop you and go, go wow. wow, I am really <laughs> crazy. fucking crazy. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at, too. It's like everything, everything that Spacey's character, the John Doe, does makes sense in a twisted kind of, you know, okay, well, it kind of hangs together in your worldview. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that... It seems to me he should be smart enough to understand is that whoever says it, whether it's Brad Pitt or, or Morgan Freeman, says, yeah, and next week 
there's going to be another story on the front page. You know, it's like, yeah. why does he think that this somehow will have this lasting effect? But then I'm thinking, well, but then that could be part that that's what makes him crazy is, is the fact that he goes, no, cause that's a very, you know, deluded well, part paranoid of, thing is like, no, no, they, you know, I, they will see and they will change me. and it will yeah. be a wonderful and this will be my thing. And it's like, no, you're just going to be another, you know, cleverer than normal serial killer is all you're going to be. That's exactly what he's trying to do. He knows what, you know, uh, John Doe here wants really at the end of the day. It's that yeah. sort of immortality, that that legend, and he's just trying to bust his balls about it. And just say, right. "Nah, fuck you. You're gonna be a T-shirt." You know. And, and the the, um, the great th- another great thing about this is the fact that you when it, when you set up a movie, you set up your characters. You want the the hero or heroes and the villain or villains to be of comparable. You want them to be equal, so they can both get at each other, not just one right. to the other. And in the scene, you can see both of that word. Kevin Spacey gets at at him, but Morgan Freeman also gets to Kevin Spacey, and there there mm-hmm. are moments where he's like, "Well, you, you know, they they are going to forget you," or where he's telling him, "You know, what you're doing, you're not really being all that martyr like about it." And yeah. Kevin Spacey has this look right right yeah, now. He, he's he, like, he has to take oh, a minute fuck. to go. Uh, well, shit. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But oh well. <laughs> Good point. Good point. That goes into what Joss Whedon is talking about in the Serenity commentary about how. The best way you can defeat an enemy is not by killing him. It's by making him realize he was wrong. Yeah. And, and you know, to, to you know, eschew your way into that. Just try to chip an edge off of the, the, the brick of self-congratulation on the part of whoever is doing some huge delusional thing. Just to get right. just a little nail in there that might eventually splinter into a crack or eventually fall off in, in the case yeah. of Serenity. To make Blofeld or, go, wow, this world domination thing might be kind of stupid. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's such, it's such, wow. a, it's such a, a more... A more not entertaining, but such more meaningful, compelling, more com- yeah, exactly more compelling way to defeat a villain than to shoot him in the head. Shoot all his, shoot, get all his henchmen first, yeah. and then have a little big boss fight with a monologue, and then you get him. Well, and to, to have him go, huh. oh, you're right. Not even like, not even like change. Yeah. Just oh god. A very few, a very few movies will actually have you know, and it has, Serenity being one of the very few examples. Um, and I can't off the top of my head name another, but I know they exist. Is where at the end the bad guy will suddenly go. Oh, screw it. I was wrong the whole time. And actually has to then help try and avert the, the nefarious thing that he, right. in fact, set in motion. Uh, just because he was doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, of course, you have, that requires you have to have a villain who's not flat out, balls out crazy. But someone who, you know, it just often happens with like a terrorist can be. Someone who can, thinks they're can be turned around. Yeah, yeah right. someone turn, a terrorist can be turned around like, oh, you know, I see. Wait, I, this yeah, whole, I the whole, the whole reason I thought, yeah, the whole reason I believed that I was doing the right thing. I see now is a lie, you know. Well, therefore, right, let they, me help you out. They talk yeah, like, and this is awkward. Yeah, <laughs> this is really unfortunate. In screenwriting, they talk about a, a character's spine. A character will have an objective in any given scene of what they're trying to accomplish, but underneath whatever a character is trying to do is their spine. It is their core of existing. It is their whole reason for being. And you know, you everything that they do somehow goes towards that. Leaving towards them accomplishing their spine, whatever it is, whether it's whatever, and you have to break a character's spine to really to defeat that person. What that very core, uh, whether it's to get recognition, whether it's to avenge somebody's death or whatever, and it, it's wow, yeah, you have to <laughs> have another hard lemonade, man. Yeah, right. well, it's, so uh, yeah, yeah, wow, that's that was, that, awesome. Anyway, that works for me. That, yeah, 
But the the obviously they, which doesn't happen to John Doe here. John Doe John Doe does. But now with John Doe's spine does not get he broken. does not get broken. Just, just a little moment, and then he goes right back into full yeah. on. But you know, he puts delusions a, of gratitude. Puts a dent in his armor. Is obviously, and that's and that's that's what makes it kind of fascinating. Now, now we mm-hmm. were starting this off by talking about alternate endings, and it does kind of tie into that. That there were apparently two possible endings on the table. Now, do. Is it? Is it? So, I'm almost so, positive that that was actually a real contingency. Yeah, uh, I don't remember where I. Do saw we know it, if they I, shot both endings I, I or it was just I, like? I'm not positive that they I shot think it. This I'm was not the positive. only one shot. I think. Yeah. All I know is that originally they were like, you know, Andrew Kevin Walker wrote this version, and he showed it to a bunch of people, and everyone was like guffawing, like, oh, whoa. But of course, the guys that are like, I have to sell this, thought, well, this <laughs> ending doesn't make me feel very good. Yeah. How this can we put me in a selling mood? How can yes. we possibly climb a foot up the cliff to less bad, <laughs> to less less depressed? Isn't there some way the we can have? Because was, it's rad, it's not radically more uplifting. It isn't. No, it's it, everyone. It's only it's only everyone, this much more everyone, uplifting. It's like an inch up the cliff. Everyone gets fucked both ways. But the original contingency was that, as they set up in the beginning, Somerset Morgan Freeman's trying to get out. He's trying to get out, and the ending would be that instead of letting Mills shoot him. He would say, give me the gun, give me the gun, and then he would just run over and take it and shoot John Doe before he can. And right. therefore, you know, take the bullet, only the opposite of taking <laughs> yeah, the bullet. Deliver the bullet. Deliver the bullet. Yeah, deliver the bullet so that Mills doesn't go to jail because he knows that Mills he, would. He knows he will. And in yeah. effect, the only, only difference between one and the other is obviously that one defeats John Doe and one yeah. does not. In the version we get, John Doe wins because Mills walks right into it and shoots him, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. The other one... At the last minute, the calculating guy who's been saying all along, here's how you have to handle this, defeats John Doe, at least in, in theory. Yeah. And you would get that quick moment of John Doe, you know, the scene could play up right to the John like, Doe would have like the horror two, in his yeah, eyes. This yeah. one moment this, of this scene, The scene would yeah. be exactly the same until two seconds before the trigger gets pulled when Morgan Freeman just jumps in and does it so that Brad Pitt can't. And you would have that, you'd have that moment of John Doe like, no, that's not the plan. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. No! You and know? of course, at be. the end of the day, you have Somerset in jail, Mills without a wife, homegirl dead, yeah. and, 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 and Doe is, is also dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the difference isn't huge only in the, the subtext of what's happening. It's a big deal. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't have been quite as tragic an ending. I I like that ending in a sense. I I could see that ending. I would I would be okay with that ending because it it, it speaks more towards uh, Morgan Freeman's character yeah. because he he refuses to help. He, they you know he talks about the the guy getting mugged. There's a part where he gets in the cab and the cab drives away and he some crime is being committed on the sidewalk and he just kind of shakes his head and goes oh. <laughs> so he's he's like here. I'm I'm yeah. done helping people I, I, and obviously he's quitting. I'm done helping. And that would fulfill his spine. He's open, yeah. A little more. I like how John Doe's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dead dog. Like, come on. You think, you think, I didn't do that. The other yeah. thing it might have been the is... The fact he's a little indignant about it, like, he's like I wouldn't kill a dog. Why would you dog. think I would kill a dog? I wouldn't kill a dog. What do I look like an asshole? Like, what twisted monster do you think I am? The other thing about that... I that, could fuck the dog with a dildo <laughs> made out of a knife, <laughs> and in fact have. <laughs> but I didn't kill it. I didn't kill it. That would be Jesus wouldn't like that. <laughs> That'd be freaky. My Jesus would hate that. <laughs> I couldn't look at that neon cross. Over my <laughs> I would not be able to like sleep under my giant neon cross. If yeah, that, exactly. That was it's the like, case. Who fucks a dog with a knife? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on the list of visuals, wow. I would like to move past. Yes, <laughs> Ryan, you were talking about a, a variation on that alternate ending. Go ahead. Uh, Ryan's been trying to say something. No, no. I, I was just going to say one more thing about the the uh, the alternate ending where where. Uh, 
where Somerset goes in and shoots him is is that uh, the the kind of interesting very end uh, about Mills's character is that it immediately makes Mills a lot more like Somerset in sort of his growth as you know. It's like what, what his motives are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of it's like okay, this is a real fucked up way for him to assume to, for him to. Yeah. It is it's kind of that cop thing where he assumes his his position. But thirty years down the line, he gets a, a young partner that goes, "Oh, did it's, you ever have a family?" Or yeah. as well, I got close once. Yeah, if Brad, if oh, Brad, what happened? If Brad yeah. Pitt could Not somehow anything. keep his job after this, basically he's had the one day crash course in how to be a jaded cop. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me tell you about a exactly. day I had once. <laughs> yeah. It was part Absolutely. of a pretty messed up And week. then we have an entire new hero for 7-2, 14, even 7-er. <laughs> wow. Double sevens. He basically just goes after the seven most virtuous people he knows and congratulates them with a trophy made out of plastic. <laughs> wow. You are so patient. Yeah. Here. Here you go. Now, I love how John C. McGinley assumes exposition guy. And not even exposition guy, like trailer exposition guy. Come around, come around. <laughs> Come down. Come down. Keep your crosshairs on him. And every time he talks, they're already doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like he's helping. It's oh, like Yoda, he got the helicopter. It's, like, it's, not like, it's not like Yoda gets in and says, take me here. John, it's not like he's, com- he's not in control of the helicopter. There's a pilot and a guy that's in front of the pilot working on the navigation. Yeah. And John C. McGinley's like, yeah, make sure the rotors are spinning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's move, move, move. Hey, Let's, listen, pal, you don't have to yell. We've all got headsets yeah, yeah. on, okay? Push your feet on the pedals to make the thing turn. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, we're halfway there already. Yeah. We're, we're good. We're, we are flying already. We're, we're, we have gotten this thing off the ground. Now, another thing, it, it, and it, it just kind of slips by you, but, uh, you know, the, the anti... You can't really call this an action movie. It's, it's only had that one section of action, which is great action. But, uh, you know, it's a thriller or a suspense film or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, name, name a movie where the big up build up to the big climax consists of three guys in the middle of nowhere and a cardboard box. You know, that's, that's our that's our big finale. To yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah. Is, you know, it's like it's not the exploding Eiffel Tower. You really it's, could do this movie for less than 10 million. You, could do you this, absolutely you could, could have. This, it's, this it's could like, be a four million movie if this, you didn't have the names with it. This feels like someone's really genius student film that, yeah. that uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that should have and then, you know, rightfully did get picked up at a big studio. Because it's actually a, it's a very minimalist. Obviously, the, the padding is not necessary to the story. It just helps to make it a bigger movie. The only, I mean, there's, the only expensive stuff involves helicopters, I can think of. Like, yeah. I mean, the chase and the helicopter doesn't helicopters. do anything. The yeah, helicopter exactly. accomplishes you could, nothing. You could lose everything that's expensive about this. Yeah. Like, Prosthetics might be the only thing, but if you could find a guy that was fat enough that you'd be like, okay, that guy died by eating, and you could find a guy skinny enough that you could say, yep, that guy died by starving, that you could get away with this movie for less, maybe even less than a million if you had the right crew. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you don't know already, or right abilities, I guess I should say, if you don't know already, as soon as this is done, go to YouTube and type in Seven William Shatner <laughs> and enjoy. Yes, it's not that great. Yes, if you like William it's, Shatner, it's mildly like it. amusing. Bastards! If I recall correctly, there is a Muppet version of the Seven ending. Oh, oh nice. that would be oh, way better. Boy. That would be good. Do they have a Muppet head in a box? And again, the the restraint that they show is, of course, you don't see it. We know yeah, inside this box. Fully ignored in the William Shatner club, and in fact, they spoil Seven <laughs> for anyone that hasn't seen it. Yeah, which is sort of screwed oh, yeah. up. Now, this also we're, all you see here is lots of blood. Yeah, and his yeah, and he's like, ooh. But the the chilling moment isn't that he's like, what's in the box for us? The line, what's in the box, comes up in a second. But the, the chilling moment isn't there's something in that box. The chilling moment is when he turns around and, and right this guy that yeah. we built up as Obi-Wan says, John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Everyone, oh, back off. It's all so much Helicopter worse. Helicopter guys, go away. 
This yeah. just changed. It's more, it's worse than even I foresaw. It's gotten so much worse all of a sudden. Maybe you stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. I love yeah. it. So all of a sudden your your spine's like yeah. chilling, your back Which is, is all just, rolling. And it's like, like shit is happening. He's on his knees in shackles in a field with, with a, a gun, gun to his head. head. How does he How have does the, he upper the upper hand? hand? Yeah. How did he pull that one off? Exactly. Well, we're about to find that out. All right. So here we go. For those in the cheap seats, John Doe committed envy and... And all that's and left. also and also murdered someone. Yeah, but, but because he ended them. <laughs> but that's and, not and, one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah, murder is not actually murder isn't one of the de- no, no no that's, that's not. a, it's a, a commandment. Sh- you're thinking sh- yes, yes, it's yes. not a crossover. It's a joke. Two. We can move on now. We can move on. Now. And of course, forces Detective David Mills to be the wrath murder, uh, the murderer, <laughs> and the, the 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 person who's you know resigned to their fate based on their sin. In this case, wrath. Yeah, could have been worse. He could have saved gluttony for this one. That would have been really ugly. <laughs> What did it suck to have all seven in one guy? <laughs> Ooh. So Sloth I'm, I'm and envy, gluttony. and you're unv- the timing didn't quite work out. All left is gluttony, so you're gonna have to eat me to death, I'm afraid, <laughs> just to make it work out. So yeah, so here's here's the giant climax of our big Hollywood action movie: three guys under the power lines having a conversation, and you know, God bless you, David Fincher. What's cool about working for the power not blowing lines up is a building you don't have to instead? Bring Jenny with you. <laughs> That's true, yes. You just have lots of hope lights can, for your first Hope we can tap into some power while we're on this location. You know, are you watching Michael Bay? Look, there's not a single explosion in this entire climax to this movie. There's a little one. <laughs> one little one. <laughs> but it definitely goes down as like one of the most sort of like... Uh, Chilling endings of all Yeah, time. engaging, just totally tension-filled, yeah. you know, scenes. And it's, and it's doing it with so little. And of what? course, it gave us one of those seminal, or not seminal, one of those often repeated lines... What's in the box? Yeah, what's in the box? One of the things I find interesting about this climax is there's no buildup of the actual moment where he shoots. It's just, it's it's all of this. Mm-hmm. It's it's this. Yeah, I disagree. Well, he it's, has a bunch it's of moments like, where he's like, oh, God. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. It's and moments they, of his anguish. show you her head. I mean, I think they are building up to it. But it's it's not in the in the typical way where it's like that tense moment of a close up on yeah the close up and his eyes wide with the racking rack focus to the gun and exactly, exactly. Right. Right. yeah no. misty face yeah, just, just, he just comes at him and then there's a wide shot yeah. where there's pink mist now, exactly this this, this yes. scene is yes. uh, this is where you kind of go you know hey this Brad Pitt kind this of a good is, actor yeah. kind Brad, of a good actor and, and you know it's true. Brad Pitt is probably one of the most gorgeous men on the planet, and he's also a talented actor. And he's so pulling it off. I think I mean, he's great. You know, I'm sorry, but this close-up right here where he has to, again, go through these ranges of emotion. was like, I'm going to get You know, like, he's, he's, he's obviously, he's just learned a hell of a lot in the past eight seconds, and he's running through all of it. And Which one of the thing, one of the hardest things to do as an actor is to, is to learn something or be surprised by something. Because yeah, obviously exactly. you know it's coming. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. And good, to, to have all of that information... We say bravo, Brad. He's you know this is good. It's a tough thing to do. Thank you, David. Thank you. You get it. How do you guys feel about the Flash? I never liked that myself. I hate that in movies. I have to say, I find it just. Well, I don't. I don't think he's trying to pull it off. Like, did I see something? Question mark. No, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I feel like. I feel like that's always the, the filmmaker, like we were saying earlier, not giving the audience the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, okay, I'm. Uh, you're, thank you for that crib note because I almost forgot that this was about how he killed his wife and he loves his wife. You know, it's just. I just feel like it's it's a last minute like I, I'm with you because pulling you could, back you from could, the break could, and you, or you a studio write, thing. You could write a book about the <laughs> restraint of this film. Yes, in every yes, single could. in every single mm, iteration yeah. of what you could restrain, yeah. it is restrained. Yeah. And Except then at the last thing. minute, it's like. Her face! Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, it's, it's a movie that, that 
is laughably stupid and bad, and I love it to pieces, even though I know I shouldn't because it's wrong, 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 is Armageddon. <laughs> and of all the things that I could choose to be offended by in Armageddon, <laughs> and it's literally every single frame of it that could be you know, considered offensive for some reason or another, it's that goofball montage of, of his daughter growing up in the moment before Bruce Willis dies. That I go, oh, oh Michael, that's so cheap and awful of you. Yeah. You know, it's like that little well, that flash. It's, it's not just the one flash frame. It's like a little like it's a it's an eight minute it's documentary of her life. Where in, are they going to put the Aerosmith you know? song, man? And it's just like, oh wow, that's kind of somewhere on the cusp between artsy and making me eat your feces there, Michael. I mean, what, <laughs> I, I just, okay, I get it. You became an artist Ernest there for the last eight seconds. The world but is a fine place and worth fighting worth for. Worth fighting for. I agree with the I latter agree. part. Yeah. With the Ouch. Part. Snap. And then you go credits. And Bam. then you go credits. And of course, the first thing you see is John Doe, Kevin Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey was in there. Where is it? So, Where is it? Where is it? It's coming. It's so, anyway, but the point I was getting at is, is, is I really, it bugs me that little flash because it just feels like Somebody, whether it's the studio and the or the filmmaker, go down, not up. Yeah, they're yeah. going backwards. Mm-hmm. Credits is very, very avant-garde. Anyway, yes. I, I've always objected to that little, that flash of let me just help you, give you the character, just to make what, sure, just what the character's thinking. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest with it, and I'm gonna I apparently disagree with you, which is that well, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I'm not having that because the way it plays well, to I'm me just is that hit stop right now. Yeah, sorry. Is is that there is the if you you're you're watching it and you're listening to it in the last thirty seconds I've been talking about don't do it because here's why here's what you should be thinking about and it's kind of like trying to talk him out of it and you're you know we're it didn't happen to us so we're watching him and we're sympathizing but we're also thinking a little bit rationally and the flash is trying to be like at the end of the day this is what he's it's trying to show you what he's feeling you know in just for this moment it's like nah fuck it and then and then yeah. goes and does it and eh, I can I can certainly agree I can I can understand. Both aspects of this, what I think would have been really cool. They're too far away from the box, but if there's a moment where he looked over and just saw the box from a very, very long <laughs> shot, that, that would have that would have definitely it. said, with, "Look how small you are." Yeah, to me, with, about the whole with a little, little head, with a little, the most important part of what she is yeah. is gone. It's in that little thing over there. I go, I go. You maybe one better. It's like with a little, just like the wind, a little wisp of blonde hair pops out of the top, or the box falls over. Yeah, and her face uh, and she rolls no, across. And not not necessarily going, falling, yeah. not the head rolling out. I like the wisp of hair. No, I think the wisp would like the blonde hair, just like. I mean, a shot of the box, you know, not one frame, but like six <laughs> yeah. frames. Just, yeah. just, just a there quick it is. moment. Nope. Okay. Yeah. The, I now, like now I'll grant I like you that. that the, I like that one more. There is another. There is another alternative idea, and you know, because studios do do previews, and we know the studio was iffy on the ending and so on. It's like as a filmmaker, sometimes you go, "No, no, this is the ending I want to make," and then you do get in front of an audience, and no one and, likes and, it, and they, or they don't get it, or you know, they just go. So at the end, and sometimes you will kind of go, "Well, okay, it's against my artistic sensibilities," but you know, the cards came back, and not a single person understood my damn ending. So I guess yeah. I will put in the quick little, okay. He's thinking about her, okay? <laughs> Boom, or whatever. <clears throat> Which I don't know if that's the case in, in may this. May or may not have been. Wouldn't surprise me. But, the, but like I said, as a filmmaker, I you know there's a point where you do have to kind of go, what? No one understood my ending. Uh, oh, okay. And then that's I one guess of those scared moments I, of realization of what your peers are. Exactly. Well, either that or you know as, well, you, as, as adamantly like, as well, I go, I will never. You know, I would, you notice I didn't say I will never put one of those cheesy flash frames in a movie I make. I'll never. I'm going to make that claim because I might someday. Because I have to. If if I have to. Well, I've, so, I've heard the rule of thumb is you know if you. You put your movie or whatever it is out there to ten people, and you get ten different responses. Exactly. Then you're like, you're probably okay. But if seven or so yeah, people right. say the same thing, I didn't get gotta, that. Then you got to think about seven. It. No. Right, how do you feel about this movie? 
I like I said, it's I, the same I think way in the beginning. In this group has actually enforced my feeling that this movie is great. It, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. When I first saw it, I was like, "That's a really good movie." And then watching it again, and with the accumulated knowledge of being a filmmaker and film criticism, it's like and photography can, and photography and storytelling. Yeah, just how tight it is I'm just that much more impressed. Ryan yeah. Weaver. I was gonna, I was gonna say. That, I mean, we never took a specific moment because there is no specific moment that it's really outstanding. But the whole movie is fucking beautiful. Every frame of this thing, every shot, and it, again, you know, the editing and the way every the way it's constructed, you know, technically is absolutely fantastic. And I love the performances and I love the script and everything. It just goes together so well. Um, so again, I mean, at the beginning of this, I give it a big thumbs up. I give it a big thumbs up again, right here at the end. <laughs> yeah, so. really. Wow, yeah, we've had like quite a big breakthrough in this episode. Yeah, of, uh, absolutely. So, we we watched the whole thing, and now we still like it. By the um, way, that that was our whole conversation before starting this re- recording. This down in front is like, okay, we all think this movie's fucking great. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, <laughs> not, not just the fact that it's great, but the fact that most of it is guys sitting having conversations. What yeah. are we going to do? We're not going to go. Wow, that was an awesome visual effect. Blow on that. Yeah. yeah. So I think we did pretty well for ourselves but yeah. um, Trey how do you feel about the genre and, and, and in general I mean does yeah. this movie stand out for you or I, is it just a movie that you just like I like noir and I like procedural and I like uh, crime thrillers and all that kind of stuff um, I, I can't think of too many other examples of this kind of you know this it, noir is certainly the, the word that comes to mind and, and do they even make noir anymore in Chinatown we've referenced but uh, you know, can anyone even name any other kind they of they still make noir yeah. but good noir is yeah, this is great. Even rare. Yeah, really fine noir. But, you know, this is a movie that I, I, I liked it. It's It didn't exactly, you know, make me go, after I watched it, you know, at 4 a.m. in my motel room or wherever I was, it didn't make me go, wow, I'm going to watch that movie over again every time. So it also was like, well, that didn't exactly make me feel good, that movie. And, I, you know, I'm not holding that against it. But I didn't I didn't seek it out for quite some time. And then I saw it again 10 years later, maybe. And then this is probably the, maybe only the third or fourth time I've seen it. And, and, and I really do appreciate it for how well made it is. And I never had picked up before on the fact that it's in this weird kind of timeless nether world where they never say what city it is or mm-hmm. what, what era it is. And I hadn't really noticed that before. I really like that about they it. It just kind of like flashed by. So I think it's extremely well made. And, and I, I do like it uh, a lot better than a film that I know you kids enjoy very much. And that's that uh, Fight Club that Fincher made. <laughs> um, Fight Club I'm not so wild about. And I've seen it far too many times. But, but, uh, but I'm seven, a big sucker for Fight Club. Fight yeah. Club. I, I, there's I, things about, I I also, we'll get to fight there's things about Fight Club that I think are great. But overall, I kind of don't quite get why it's such a big deal whereas I think Seven is just a taut little thriller and you know does exactly what it's supposed to do and I'm a mm-hmm. big fan so and, and and I've even retroactively learned to love Alien 3 so you know there you go so Finch just redeemed himself uh, from where he started 15 years ago in my eyes I'm reminded of an, a review that Roger Ebert gave I think it was to Alien but it might have been Alien and he was talking about how I've never encountered a movie that I so strongly want to recommend because it made me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I've, never felt, I've never felt so bleak and decayed after a film, but that's such a good thing. That's such a wonderful film experience I've just had, but it wasn't a wonderful experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this movie is one well, of the movies Well, it made you like, feel something intense. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's, it's a movie that just, it's, it's shock cables to your brain. It's just you're watching this thing and just spending the entire time Terrified and you cannot look away, and that's that's sort of the, the main difference between what a, a great thematic horror film is versus torture porn, which is that torture porn is superficial by nature, even by definition. If you can't look away, then you're doing something right. If you can, you're not. And and torture porn falls into that category of 
once you're done, quote unquote, <laughs> you walk However away. You, choose to interpret yeah. that. But you can't walk away from seven. You can't yeah. at any point in the movie be like, yeah, I saw this recently enough. <laughs> Especially, and there's certain scenes more so than any others. You got the scene with the with with, uh, with sloth. You have Leland's scene. There's just and of course the whole ending are all just great, great how to make a movie scenes. And yeah. like we've also mentioned, how to make a movie for cheap if you want to. Yeah, with because no, nothing blows up in any of those scenes you just referenced. I, I love this movie dearly, and uh, I hope one day we do do Fight Club. I'd like to. I'd like to to have that conversation, but. I would enjoy being here for that. Until until next time, uh, I have been Teague Christie. And I'm Brian Finisher. I have been and will probably continue to be Brian Weber. <laughs> and I officially resign as Trace Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Down in Front. You can find more episodes at downinfront.net or follow us on Twitter at at downinfront or twitter.com slash downinfront. And until next time, uh, thank you very much for listening. Good night, good night. Good night. Good night. Friendsinyourhead.com